Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Oh, well, here we go, here we go, here we go. Good morning and welcome to Off the Bench, presented by our good friends at United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman, and it's nice to have a full crew back in place today. Casey, first of all, welcome back. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, Tom. I'm still a little, uh, <clears throat> still a little recovery going on right here. Okay. So, so probably not yeah. going to talk a lot today. Not going to talk said, a right? whole lot, but okay. we've got a lot to talk about. Yes, so it's going to be do. really yes, hard. Brace, zebra, Reed. How's everybody doing? Fantastic, Tom. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing chilly well. today. Yes. Chilly today. <laughs> Hanging meat in the studio. This yeah, morning. it is cold in the studio. Really cold. I drove all the way up here. <laughs> My car didn't have any heat again. I got all the way here. I'm like, the, the one thing I can take solace in yes. is that I will get into the studio. In Hamilton. In you Hamilton. To, you know, it's a little warmer. And I'll, it, where the sun shines a little bit brighter. And I will have warmth. No. Cold. Let's start the show. Okay. All right. <laughs> we come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a. to 12. P. You can find us as always. Just go to YouTube, Chatterbox Sports page. We also broadcast Are We Casey on Twitter. Yes, we are. Okay. That's at Seabox Sports. Yep. Where you can download us in podcast form, just search off the bench with Tom Brennan and you're dialed in. Now, look, think about where most of us were in Bengalville about three weeks ago. Okay. The team loses to Houston, right? Four days later, they get lit up by Baltimore, and the franchise quarterback is done for the year. That's DUN done. All hope for the playoffs virtually gone. That hope diminished even further after the home loss to the Steelers and backup quarterback Jake Browning's first career start. They scored all of 10 points in the game. So you're thinking, oh, man, going to Jacksonville Monday night, one of the best teams in the league, right? No chance of beating that team, right? Well, now look at that moment in time. We are talking about six days ago. Where we were then, where we are now. In the game against Jacksonville, Browning throws for over 300 yards. The running game over 150 yards. The Bengals put up over 30 points, win the game. Then yesterday, another alleged playoff team comes to town. The Bengals' offense looked even better, perhaps better than any game all year long. 34-14, a route over the Colts. Browning throws for two touchdowns, runs for another. The running backs combined for 230 yards from scrimmage. Some dude named Chase Brown apparently just joined the team. He takes a, spring, uh, a screen pass, goes to the house. 54 yards, his first career touchdown. Tanner Hudson, invisible man for 10 or 11 weeks, scores his first career touchdown. This is a different offense, man. No one's saying they're better off without Burrow. But for the last two weeks, you cannot argue, they have been better than they were with Burrow practically all season long. Back-to-back games of 30 or more points. They hadn't done that all year. They had touchdown drives of 92, 72. 75, 71 yards in the third quarter alone. One quarter, 
They run 19 plays for 175 yards. That's over nine yards per play. They're explosive all of a sudden. They had seven plays of 17 or more yards. They had five plays of 25 or more yards. All of that in a game, bear in mind, where Jamar Chase had three catches for 29 yards. Think about that for a minute. Now, here on Off the Bench, we said three weeks ago, we were going to learn a lot about Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, and you know what? We have. Those two, along with the players, have done an incredible job with this offense and holding this team together. So good for them. At 7-6, and six, the Bengals right back in a playoff hunt. And next week, take on Minnesota, who's also 7-6. and six. Minnesota had 99 passing yards yesterday and won 3 to nothing over the Raiders. And that game is Saturday at 1 o'clock at Paycor Stadium. That's right, it's a Saturday. In fact, there are three games that will be played on Saturday. The Bengals fans should care about them all. You got Pittsburgh playing against Indianapolis. Two teams ahead of you in the playoff race, right? Both would be in the playoffs, in fact, today. Then Saturday night, Denver, who's 7-6, and six, plays at Detroit. You thought three weeks ago, that's a route for the Lions. I don't know about anymore. And don't look now. The Broncos are one game behind Kansas City for first place in the AFC West. Speaking of the Chiefs. We've been saying this is not the same juggernaut we've seen in the past, and they're not. You can say whatever you want about them. They are not the same team. They lost to Buffalo 20-17 to yesterday. What we learned is that they are a juggernaut whiner. Did you see the play? Everybody's seen the play, right? Okay? Everybody saw the play that was called offsides, which, by the way, it's the first time that a Kansas City offense has been called for offsides. There's a difference between offsides and a false start. It's the first time since 1995 that a Kansas City Chiefs offense has been whistled for offsides. I mean, clear as the sun on a Florida morning. Ladarius Toney was offsides. Yet Andy Reid, and especially Patrick Mahomes, they whined like school kids after the game, saying the official should have told Tony he was lined up in the neutral zone. It's unreal. No accountability. Zero accountability. We're going to blame the ref instead of Ladarius Tony, who's damn near standing in the secondary when they snap the ball. And how about Joe Flacco? The 38-year-old veteran was sitting on the couch three weeks ago, and now he's one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league. Flacco throws for three touchdowns over 300 yards. Brownies win again, 31-27. to By the way, give it up to Trevor Lawrence. He didn't have a good day. Three touchdowns, three picks. But the guy came back and played after that injury last week. Nutcutter. Browns are 8-5. and We'll host the Bears this Sunday. Baltimore, now the number one seed in the AFC. They have a walk-off punt return for a touchdown by Tylen Wallace. 
The Ravens beat the Rams. That was one of the best games this season if you took time to watch that one. 37-31, Ravens win it. And is Dallas the best team in the NFL? Is Dak Prescott the front runner now for the league's MVP? The Cowboys just steamrolled the Eagles last night in Big D, 33-13. Prescott throws for two touchdowns. They rush for 138 yards, winning their fifth straight game. Now, what about the good, the bad, and the ugly? Zach Wilson. Now, you talk about a young man, and I'm not saying he's any good, but you talk about a young man that's just had his head kicked in in New York for two years. He was unbelievable yesterday in the Jets' win over Houston. The bad, C.J. Stroud suffered a concussion in that loss for Houston. He's now in protocol. And the ugly, the leader in the NFC North, Tampa Bay. Your guy, Casey, Baker Mayfield, takes him down the field to beat Atlanta. They're under 500, but right now they're in line to host a playoff game. College football, Jalen Daniels from LSU won the Heisman Trophy Award. Razor thin margin over Michael Penix Jr. of Washington. College basketball, look, call it what it is. It's full ownership. Full, total ownership for the Xavier Musketeers on the University of Cincinnati. Got to give it up to Sean Miller. He proves once again he's one of the best coaches in the country. I mean, his team had been humiliated recently by the likes of Oakland, California, and Delaware. But they moved on from those games to beat the unbeaten at the time, Cincinnati Bearcats, 84-79. You see, has still not won at Cintas since 2001. For Wes Miller, you got to wonder about this strategy. And I've been a Wes Miller guy all along. But UC has better players than Xavier has. They have a better team than Xavier does. They really do. And Xavier fans know it. UC has a better team this year, but they lost the game. And that's all that matters. UC had this big advantage inside. Yet all we want to do is come down the floor and jack up threes. Just jack them up. And the guys that are supposed to show up and help you win games. Transfer comes over. Here comes from Kentucky. Right? Right? Another transfer comes over. Brick, 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 brick. Five for 23 from three-point land. Brutal. UC plays at home tomorrow night against Bryant. Winthrop comes to Xavier on Saturday night. USC freshman Bronny James made his collegiate debut last night, five months after suffering a cardiac arrest. He, of course, is the son of LeBron James. He's limited in his minutes to start the year. He went 16 minutes, had four rebounds, or four points, three rebounds, three assists, had an unbelievable block shot, caught a guy from behind, blocked the shot. The Trojans lose 84-79, and in baseball, Shohei Otani, 10 years, $700 million to play for the Dodgers. The prior highest contract was $436 million by Mike Trout. $700 million for Shohei, the largest contract ever signed by a player in professional sports. Coming up at 10.30, it's going to be Charlie Goldsmith from Cincinnati.com. Talk about the Bengals. Talk a little bit about the Reds, but not much. This is all a Bengal Monday. 
Casey, you're smiling. I want to remind everybody that Casey and Zebra were the two guys in this room who said three weeks ago, D-U-N, the Bengals' playoff chances. Now, all of a sudden, Casey, you are riding front and center, front row, back on the bandwagon. Yeah, Tom, um, I'm back ready. On the I'm <clears throat> I'm ready to get hurt again. I still think that the odds are very, very much stacked against them. Um, but I, I'm here for it. I'm here for the ride. I, if they're gonna continue to fight like this, they're gonna continue to play the way that I always knew that they could play. I'm all for it. What do you mean you always knew that they could play? You mean under Burrow? Certainly you don't mean under Browning because you were the one that said that after Browning took over and they lost to Pittsburgh that they were D-U-N. You can't mean mean that. I mean, the rest of the roster is doing a hell of a good job at making this offense work. I mean, you're handing the ball off more and you're throwing it. Yep. Um, Your defense only gives up seven points. I think uh, they did a really good job at helping and alleviating some of the pressure that they put all on Jake Browning against the Steelers. Um, that that game specifically, uh, they asked Jake Browning to do too much. Now, now they're just asking him to dump it off here, hand it off here, occasionally throw deep. Yep. And they're doing a better job at helping scheming up things, and it's working. And hey, kudos to Jake Browning because every time he's given the opportunity to do something where he can make a play. He's made a play. And that's that's all we can ask for at a backup quarterback. Um, one thing I did want to mention before I hand it off here, because I just don't want to I don't want to keep talking because I'll lose my voice. Chase Brown ended up being the second leading um, fastest player yes. in the NFL. I wish we would have had him all season and he was out for four weeks he was well, out for four they weeks said, okay, IR, apparently so. the story the story has been leaking out about how you know he wasn't a good pass blocker and that's why he wasn't getting you know playing time early in the year i mean look joe mixon's got a track record but he's never been accused of being a great pass blocker he's gotten better this year when he's been in there for it but you know look for all the praise we just gave to zach taylor and i am giving it up to him and callahan I really am. I'm giving it up to him. I didn't see this coming. Nobody saw this coming. And if you thought it was coming, you're lying to yourself. Um, but it's fair, and this isn't entirely on Callahan and Zach Taylor, but it certainly is fair to ask, A, is Joe Burrow running the offense when he plays? Because this is entirely different, strategically speaking, different looking offense entirely, which is we we expected Taylor to do and Callahan to do when Browning took over. But does Burrow have too much say in this thing? Because this is a well-rounded offense all of a sudden. Their pass blocking did not allow a sack yesterday. They're getting rid of the ball quicker. They're getting up under center. They're running play action. They're running the ball more. The screen game, all of a sudden, is a huge part of the offense. We didn't see any of that with Burrow. They never ran the ball. I mean, did all of a sudden that offensive line, which has started every single game together this season, did they all of a sudden wake up three weeks ago and become good run blockers? No. 
So why weren't they doing it? It's fair to ask that about Zach Taylor. Is he leaning too much on what Joe Burrow wants to do with this offense? That's number one. Second legitimate question is, where has Chase Brown been? Seriously. I know he was hurt for about three weeks here. But, but where was he before that? Okay, and the other one is Tanner Hudson. They had this guy on the practice squad most of the year. He has become as rock solid a pass-catching tight end as you can find this side of the Kelseys and, and now Goddard's back in Philadelphia. This guy is a legitimate weapon on this team now. Where was he for 10, 11, or 12 weeks? No one is suggesting here on off the bench that the Bengals are better off without Burrow. But you have to say they look like more of a team the last two weeks. I mean, clearly there's an attitude in that locker room, and some of the guys said it yesterday, Mike Hilton after the game. We've got a lot of pride in the roster of these guys that have been back-to-back -back AFC championship games, most of whom are still here. And we need to prove to other people that we're more than just Joe Burrow. That's not a knock on Burrow. Trace, they look like a real football team. And you can say, well, who are they beaten? All I know is the last two weeks, they've beaten teams <coughs> that as we sit here today would be in the playoffs. To Elliot's point, he always talks about how you look more. He thinks that means something a little bit more than just win the game like Reed, Reed does. And I think that if anything, you could say that this offense without question is, well, they are that factually, objectively, they've scored more points the last few weeks than they've scored all season long. The other thing I would say is like what when Casey was talking, the only thing that kept running through my mind was they're running an offense. Yep. That, that's what they're doing. Um, the, the first three weeks are what they are. I think that's an outlier. I think Reed has a a solid point about how, you know, when Joe Burrow's hurt, it's hard to put that offense in perspective, which goes back to the original argument that we've all been making or we were we were having at the beginning of the year is well, what's more effective in football? Is it to run an actual offense or is it to sit back and try to play hero ball? And, and, and sometimes hero ball works. There's no doubt about it. LeBron James, Michael Jordan can go off and score 50, 60 points, but more times than not, the better way to be efficient in a, in a sporting event is to run a solid, well-planned offensive scheme that is going to be consistent and you can spread the wealth around. That's a fact. And sometimes you can, uh, like anything in life, sometimes you can take for granted having something elite and great and you try to use it a little more than you should and you start to rely on it way more than you should. And it almost feels as if that's what this Bengals team has done because they've certainly looked different. And you can't convince me that, that obviously I'm not ever going to say that Jake Browning is better than Joe Burrow. No. That's a ridiculous statement to make and everybody knows that's a ridiculous yep. statement to make. But if you allow what, what Joe Burrow is capable of doing, which is elite-level stuff, to cloud your judgment and what you should ultimately stick to, then you have an issue. And I'm not suggesting that, that is, that's 100% what happened. Um, you know, you'll never know what, what Joe Burrow's offense would have done against the, the last three opponents that they, play, they played. But I would, I would just venture to tell you that it's not like they played terrible defenses either. So, I mean, the Colts aren't a terrible defense, and the Jaguars no. certainly aren't a terrible defense. Yep. Um, if you're a Bengals fan right now, looking forward, I would, I, I would hope to think that you feel like there's really nothing in your way of getting to the postseason based yep. off of the way this team looks, Tom. I, I'm with you all the way. I mean, I, you know, look, if you'd asked me you know, a couple of weeks ago, would they have any chance in Kansas City? 
And look, they're doing this one game at a time thing, and that's cliche, but it's true. And to Taylor's credit, he has kept the team focused on just the next game. And that's what they're just continuing to do, and they'll get ready on another short week this week to get ready for Minnesota. Minnesota presents its own set of challenges. They have an excellent defense. Excellent defense. And so, you know, they pitched a shutout yesterday. Yeah, they only scored three points, but they pitched a shutout yesterday. If you shut out in the NFL, is getting it done. Um, and look, some of you people in the chat, Molly, come on, Molly. I'm not saying that, like, like Trace just I'm not saying Browning is better than Burrow. Okay? I'm just saying that they've done something the last two weeks that when Burrow was here, they didn't do. And that is look like a well-round. That's not, not all Burrow. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Zach Taylor calls the plays, not Burrow. Your thoughts, men. Reed? Uh, yeah, no, it's undoubtedly another great win. You know, you look at this Bengals team, and it, it, there's certain things that you watch and you think, why wasn't this working previously? Like, like uh, for, for all the passes that Jake Brown admits, like half of his passes were still behind the line of scrimmage. All the big gains were screen plays. They were running screen plays when Joe Burrow's here. Why are they working now? Things that I just don't don't comprehend in, in terms of football. But the, the one thing I want to say about yesterday's game is a lot of talk over the past few weeks has been said about this Bengals defense, and it has been shredded to pieces, right? Giving up 500 yards against the Texans, yep. giving up 450 against the Ravens, so on and so forth. Bottom bottom third of the league in, in every statistical category this defense has. But they took on a Colts team that was a top 10 scoring offense in the league, right? Up there with the Detroit Lions ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs, so on and so forth. They gave up seven points. And I, and I threw this tweet out yesterday, when your defense gives up seven points, when you run the ball for 100-plus yards, and when you uh, – what was the third thing I said? When you uh, – Have a good punny game? When, no, yeah, well, that's not true. <laughs> when you don't get sacked, it's hard to be beaten. Yes. And that's what the Bengals are doing. You, you summed it up perfectly. They are just playing as a full team now. They're, they're not relying on one person to win them games. They're not, they're not looking to, to Joe and, like, with, save this season, save this game – they're just winning games as a full unit, as we've wanted to see them do all season long. I think, and again, I, I could be wrong on this. It seems like when when you have a backup quarterback, and, and Trace alluded to this maybe a couple weeks ago, it seems like everybody's kind of playing for not like an FU mentality, but you know we're still here, right? Just because our quarterback's gone, we still have we we're still alive out here. It's not just Joe Burrow. And, and, and the mess around gang. It's a whole team. So I think what you're seeing is a little bit of uh, inspired football by, by a Bengals roster that everybody ruled out, counted out. It's why I think expectations uh, can, can make or break a team. High expectations for the Bengals. I thought the Bengals were going to go to a Super Bowl this year. Those expectations were tempered. Right now, everybody thinks they're dead. They're playing like they're, they're more alive than ever. I think they look great. The issue I, I'll have, eventually, at some point, somebody's going to figure out these screen passes, right? right? Because Jake Browning looks great. I'm not saying Jake Browning doesn't look great. But he accounts for about 150 yards out of his 275 from screen passes. And again, maybe, maybe that's part of the game plan, the, the diversity of the play calling. I get it. Joe Burrow obviously never was, was unable to do that, or they were unable to do that with him. The run game looks better than ever. Again, they somehow didn't do that with Joe Burrow. I find that to be strange. Uh, 
But I, I listen, Jake Browning has been a, a way better quarterback than anybody in here has given him credit for, except for Trace. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised at what's occurring right now. The thing that, you know, two weeks ago after the Steelers game, and I just want to throw this point in, and you, you've given the, the coaching staff credit. Like, two weeks ago, we were we were saying, Zach Taylor needs to go. We need him out of this city. Is this is this roster any good? Yada, yada, yada. And in six days, we scored 68 points. We gave up just seven points to one of the top off, scoring offenses in the league. All these things that – can we temper the, the Zach Taylor, Taylor hate for at least a couple more weeks because he has proven – after going to AFC Championship in back-to-back years, now his star quarterback's gone, and he's won two huge games against playoff teams in back-to-back weeks. For sure. So yeah, for he deserves sure. a lot of credit. We give it up to him. We definitely give it up to him. We're not afraid to give it up to a guy when they deliver the goods, nor are we afraid of a guy when he does it. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me world. That's why they're paid the big bucks That's right. to be coaches in the NFL. But I do think it's, I do think it's a little bit fair to question – why this offense looks so good right now and why it looks so abysmal with Joe Burrow. But, you know, think about that a second. You're you're, you're spot on, and that's what I was saying a minute ago. Think about that for a second. You had, arguably, one of the top two quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, he was hurt, and I think it's safe to say he was significant. Not hurt, injured. There's a difference. Burrow was injured at the beginning of the year. But once he got healthy, and yeah, they had the nice game against the 49ers, and they were good against Buffalo. They weren't great. They were good. Uh, Arizona, Arizona, I mean, come on. They got one pick six. It came back the other way. It's the only reason they reached 30 points. It is fair to ask, how in the world do they look like this? And they're not playing New England. They're not playing Carolina, like Trey said a minute ago. The, the, the only team in the NFL that had more sacks going into the game yesterday than the Indianapolis Colts were the Baltimore Ravens. Right. It's the only team. And you don't give up a sack. And every time we turned around, the Bengals were in shotgun with Burrow back there, and he's getting killed. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot what Trace alluded to. You just look at what the offense was, which was hero ball for the first what eight nine weeks when burrow finally got when burrow finally got healthy you could see what that ended up looking like i mean he torched the the 49ers but eventually teams start to catch up on the hero ball stuff and you can't be at 100 percent, 110 percent hero ball all the time and that's what the offense pretty much turned into now we're, we're looking at a team that is able to give a lot of easy stuff they actually got the run game going. And we're sitting here asking ourselves, well, why why is it looking so good? Well, it's because Zach Taylor is actually drawing up plays that help the players to where they don't have to go out and play hero ball all the time. It's a great point. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, they are not asked to do it all. Joe Mixon isn't asked to do everything by himself. They're doing screens. They're doing a lot of easy, short, quick slants, things that are quick processing, things like that. And yes, that stuff worked for Joe Burrow, but when you're not at 110% with Joe Burrow in that offense, it doesn't look pretty. There's no, there's no doubt there's a reason why he didn't get sacked yesterday, and it's not because the offensive line blocked better. It, it's, it's, yeah. You get the ball out quick. Yep. You decide what you want to do before the play begins. And let's face it, Joe Burrow has been has been elite 
at holding on to the ball and making some unbelievable plays. Everybody marveled at the play against the 49ers, right? Right. Jake Browning's not holding on to the ball long enough to do something like that more times than not. He's not trying to, to, to extend plays. Now, if you want to argue whether you should try to extend plays or not, I, I don't, I'm not trying to get into that debate. But I do think that there's something to be said that sometimes Joe Burrow holds on to the ball and it's not, I'm not, this isn't, I'm not knocking him, but I'm saying that's why he gets sacked more times than not. Yeah. Now, I, there are certainly times where there's a guy that breaks through the line and sacks Joe Burrow just because they got beat. But I'm telling you, in my opinion, even if you go back and rewatch the playoff game against the Tennessee Titans when he got sacked nine times, yep. and everyone talked about, oh my God, he got sacked nine times. Well, Joe Burrow's holding on to the ball incredibly long sometimes, and he's trying to extend plays, and, and I'm, I'll say it again, play hero ball. And you know what? That hero ball works out sometimes for him. The same reason it works out for Josh Allen sometimes. Mahomes. How many guys do you know that can go to the sideline and then essentially get themselves in a position where they can throw a, a fadeaway throw down the field and it works out? Not many guys. So when you have that ability to do that, you try to do that. There's not that many guys that try to do those types of things is what I'm getting at. And Jake Browning, again, I'm not saying he's better for it, but there's a reason why he didn't get sacked. And it has nothing to do with the offensive line magically blocking significantly better. Yeah. I mean, they, they ran the ball 32 times, only passed 25. Yep. I mean, it's a complete different mentality than it was three weeks ago. You know, it's you guys have made this point already, but like when your back's against the wall, you get a little – you look into it a little more, right? When, when you have Joe Burrow just to be the quarterback, you just go like, all right, you take the snaps, you, you, you get it done out there. But when you go like, all right, we got a backup quarterback, we got to kind of scheme differently, you know, like – a bad analogy is is like when, when when you're a little low on money, you start thinking of different ways. Like, all right, how can I how can I uh, hustle or get get some extra cash in my my pocket? And when you're not low on money, you're just like, ah, I'll I'll get the, the deposits from my work in a couple of weeks. And it so is that's that's kind of how the Bengals were, right? I mean, when 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 Joe Burrow's playing, like, ah, Joe's got it, he's fine. And then Jake Browning's back there, like, all right, we got to scheme some different plays. We got to do some things differently, and that's what it is. I still hold, and and Elliot brought this up. I brought this up. I don't understand. How with a backup quarterback, all of a sudden screen passes work different. Like they work are significantly more, better. Are 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 more are, are, are better because as a defensive coordinator, the first thing I'm like I'm gonna think is oh they're gonna do some short passes, they're gonna do some screen passes now that they got a backup quarterback in. So everyone knows that the Bengals are gonna do that. Still in two games where the Bengals have scored 30, 34 points or better, half of the passes have been behind the line of scrimmage. Well, look, the, the, you know, the, the game since its inception and the screen pass was created, there are teams that just run it very well and, and they stick to it. Uh, Mike Holmgren ran incredible screens when, when he was a coach with the Green Bay Packers. Andy Reid runs a great screen, a screen game in Kansas City. The trade-off is, I mean, you're right. You know, you sit there and you watch it. And you're like, okay. But, 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 but it's like anything else. If you execute the play, okay, so it all starts with the idea that these guys might run the ball. Right. We're living in a day and age where pass rushers, all they're thinking about is a sack. All they're thinking about is getting to the quarterback. That's what they're paying them the big bucks for. So the second that ball is snapped, they are in full charge mode to come after the quarterback. Right. That's what they do. Well, when that happens, what happens? They're all rushing this way. You lay your guys off over here or over there. A couple of offensive linemen come out. Dump it off. Here we go. Runaway train. It's not going to work every single time. 
But the second all of a sudden you start game planning for them screening the ball, it's not like other 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 receivers in in that situation are not running routes. So if you say to your defensive lineman, hey guys, I don't want everybody going after the quarterback. I want a couple guys to leak off like we see with Sam Hubbard from time to time. Mm-hmm. Drop back and guard against the second you do that. You got two men rushing, you got three men rushing, and all of a sudden Browning is standing back there with all day to throw it. And he can buzz one right down the middle of the field. 15, 20 yards, Chase, Higgins if he catches a ball. What has happened to him? Is Charlie here yet? Not yet. Did you send him a, a link? I, I did, yeah. Okay. I, sent him a, I sent him a new link if you want to just let him know. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let him know. Um, yeah, what? but T. Higgins, man, he's got a, a pro, he's got a drop problem. He's dropping a lot of balls, and he—I don't know what it is, but he—he's not performed great this year. He's been hurt, guys. Like I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 at some point, like I do think that there's a there's a a little bit of an overreaction with T. Higgins. I'm not suggesting for a second you can't be frustrated by it or be 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 upset at the fact that you're not getting the T. Higgins of old or the T. Higgins that we've all come to expect. And I know it was offensive pass interference. And, and you would like to think that he'd be smart tough. enough. You, you'd, like to, you'd like to think that he's smart enough to be able to try to leverage his, his shoulders or maybe just keeping his arms inside before you clearly, you know, use two full hands extended to catch a touchdown pass. But if he catches that touchdown pass, my point is, is that no one's sitting here talking about him dropping that one little pass. We'd all be talking about T. Higgins. Is he back? This, that, and the other. I, I still believe in T. Higgins. As, and I know this is something that's really wild and crazy, and I don't think it would ever happen, but... You know, you want to talk about buying low and, and selling high. I, I wouldn't even be it wouldn't it wouldn't be crazy to think, hey T, is there any chance we could we could try to figure out a way to, to, to find a deal while this season hasn't gone great, you had some injury problems and try to get him on something way lesser than the, what he planned on getting at the start of the season. Now whether that's possible, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm not done on T. Higgins. I'll just tell you right now. He's T. Great, Higgins is going to be a great wide receiver in this league. He's had a couple bad games, so be it. But I don't know if everybody remembers. Uh, Jamar Chase also wasn't catching many passes in a preseason, and all I heard about was how he couldn't catch the ball either. And, oh, my God, we made a mistake with the number one pick, blah, 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 blah. Okay, he's probably going to end up being the best wide receiver in Bengals history. So yeah. a couple games here and there of drops. I'm not giving up on yeah, the Yeah, I'm not giving up on T. No, but here's just... the thing. It's done. And we'll add, But here's the thing. It is clearly done. It has made you believe and realize the lack of production with Higgins, injury, whatever it might be, dropping balls, is your offense can still be good without paying two wide receivers theoretically $20 million a year. You can still be a really good offense. So unless Higgins, and he ain't going to do it, because people can say whatever they want about it. Guys are looking for the cash. He's going to look for the cash. And it only takes one, one owner, to say, you know what? We think this guy, looking at the body of work the last three years, four years of his career, which he's been a great player for this team, there's no doubt about it. He cares. He's tough. He's a gamer. He's a winner. He's a good dude. I root for nothing but good things for T. Higgins. But when I'm sitting there, if I've got to start signing contracts, and I'm looking out there and I'm looking at my team right now with a backup quarterback – I scored 34 yesterday with Chase getting three catches for under 30 yards. I see T. Higgins basically not even a part of the offense. Doesn't mean that would work every week, 
But I say to myself, we probably can get by and spend that money somewhere else. Charlie Goldsmith, Cincinnati.com, covers the Bengalis, covers the Reds. You were down there, Charlie, yesterday. Before we get to the, to, to the good, I'm just curious your thoughts. You may have heard Trace and talking about T. Higgins. We know he's been hurt this year. Uh, and, and look, a rib injury is brutal. If anybody's ever broken a rib, I mean, you, you literally can't breathe without being in pain. That's the truth. Um, he, he is, he's not having the kind of year everybody thought he would, the kind of year he's had each of his first three seasons in the league. What, what are your thoughts about maybe how this whole Higgins thing plays out, Charlie? So we've, and I'm sure we will talk a lot about the Jake Browning offense and the adjustments they've made and everything, the way they bounce back from the Steelers game. I think a very, very underrated and under discussed piece of that transition has been getting T Higgins back. Teams were more than selling out. Teams were throwing more resources at Jamar Chase than any team was throwing at any receiver in the league before T. Higgins returned. I think you've seen a very nice balance with Higgins back in the mix. I think something Browning has done very well is figure out which one between them has the more advantageous matchup. Yeah, Higgins had some drops yesterday. He also had an incredible correction on a badly thrown deep ball from Browning. Um, he settled in between four defenders and made himself open on a great throw from Browning over the middle. I see these last two weeks as an example and a reason why you should have two highly paid and invested in receivers. Now, will that be T? We could spend an hour talking about this. It probably depends on how good the Bengals think they are and whether or not they're one piece away. So I would lean not because they probably do have a lot to do this offseason. But hey, you know, we're seeing right now what these guys mean to the Bengals offense, these star receivers. Um, yeah, you, you brought it up, Charlie. And look, we got to get right to it. And, I, and I've been as critical of Zach Taylor as anybody, even the last couple of years when they were going to a Super Bowl and back-to-back -back AFC championship games about not scoring enough, especially not scoring enough when it matters and with all the stars that you have. They have sunk a fortune into this offense, whether it's at wide receiver, the offensive line, obviously the quarterback. Um, and, and now all of a sudden, Burrow goes down. And uh, right before you came on, I, mean, I, I just can't say enough about how impressive Callahan and Zach Taylor have been over the last two weeks in getting this team ready to play. It's some of their most impressive work, even more so like Callahan and Taylor have a way they see football, a way they like to do things. That very much is in line with how Joe Burrow sees things. What's not their strength is kind of the Jake Browning style of offense that they've had to shift and adapt to. That's not necessarily the type of offense they've had the most success sculpting over the course of their careers, but it's working just as well as anything. You know, you're seeing these bootlegs, you're seeing these scrambles, you're seeing these play actions, uh, so much more of a varied run game as they prioritize more explosiveness over more efficiency. Like they ran yesterday a Tanner Hudson orbit motion, a Jake Browning play action, Higgins in breaking route over the middle between four defenders. Like they were in a fullback dive. This isn't who they've been, but it's working. It looks different. They're leaning more into tweaks and wrinkles, and they have a great feel for play design right now, and they're really banking on that. Um, when, when you look at uh, Chase Brown, uh, give us your thoughts on, on this young guy. I mean, you've gotten to know him a little bit. You've been around him a little bit. We really don't know a whole lot about him because he rarely ever played up until just about the last couple of weeks. We know he was hurt and he, and he was out injured for a while. But, you know, we heard so much more about uh, Yoshi and we certainly heard more about downtown Charlie Jones and, and, and some of these other guys. But all of a sudden now this guy, <laughs> I mean, he all of a sudden has just incredibly burst on the scene and been a significant contributor to this team the last couple of weeks. 
So Chase Brown isn't a running back. When I looked at mid-round options, I didn't spend too much time on him because I was under the impression that the Bengals were looking for a running back who had more experience in a passing-centric offense, in a shotgun-centric offense, and could be and had more size to be more of a one-for-one replacement with Samaj P. Ryan. So, you know, those skills that or that experience that um, Chase Brown didn't have is part of the reason why he didn't get a ton of time early in the season. He spoke about it. There were adjustments. There were things he hadn't done. And again, that took time. What you're seeing now is the Jake Browning offense suits Chase Brown like a glove. Um, the under center, the priority of explosiveness, the play action screen game. You wouldn't do as much of this stuff if you had Joe Burrow. But because you need to rely on different playmakers and different guys, hey, this fits Chase perfectly. And when you see someone with this speed, this is now someone you find a way to get on the field moving forward. And the other guys, Tanner Hudson, Charlie. You know, I, I made the comment before you came on the show. I mean, I, yeah, look, he's not Jason Kelsey, and he's not Goddard who just came back in Philly, and he's not some other guys around the league. But this guy is a bona fide part of this offense now. And again, uh, a practice squad guy virtually uh, two-thirds of this season. This guy is a – like, the I play pickup basketball, and some guys come in there, and you don't necessarily – they don't look like a college basketball player. But then they show up and drop 30 on you. That's the kind of guy Tanner Hudson is, and the coaches say this. He doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the traits. Traits are in for tight ends these days. That's what teams look for in the draft. And Tanner Hudson has been passed over time and time again because he doesn't have traits. What he had to develop, what he had to work on to, to really stick in the league was just a feel for route running and an ability to make contested catches. And from the day he arrived in Cincinnati, that was on display. His first route, his first practice, beats a linebacker one-on-one, -on -one, catches a fade down the field. Um, no one made more tough catches in training camp this year than Tanner Hudson. In training camp, you know, Jake Browning and Trevor Simeon were competing for a job. There's a reason they threw him the ball so much, because they knew he'd be in the right spot, and they knew he'd catch it. And what you're seeing that with Jake, and you saw it with Burrow as well with Tanner, know exactly where he's going to be, know he's going to catch the ball and make something happen with it. He's a real find here for a Bengals team that's getting some more production out of that position. You know, you, you look at the defense, uh, Charlie, and, and look, th th this group is, has certainly taken their licks through most of this season. There's very little debate about that. Uh, it's also uh, non-debatable uh, how good Lou Anarumo is at his job. He was a guy, not us, he was a guy that said his worst nightmare would, would be losing the two safeties in the offseason, and we know that's what happened. Now, all of a sudden, I want to ask you, you know, let's start just in the secondary, because all of a sudden, you know, DJ Ivy gets one of the game balls yesterday, right? And, and then you've got all these other young guys that maybe it's taken them a little while. When it comes to just the secondary, it was Jacksonville last week, good quarterback. Minshew was playing well coming into this game. What, is there a confidence is starting to build in just the secondary? Yeah, uh, and they're not all the way there yet, but they're getting there. Like, I think there's a great example from the Jacksonville game. First snap of the game, Jordan Battle way out of position. There's an injury timeout after, you know, Christian Kirk makes a big play down the field. Lou pulls Battle aside, says, don't do that. This isn't what you're supposed to do. Make the, Do this, this, and this, and make this happen. And for the rest of the game, Jordan Battle plays really well. You're seeing mistakes, but I think the the processing and the time to make corrections has really improved over the course of the season. Like when they were giving up all these explosive plays, my big criticism was that there were repeat problems. And I think like yesterday, you saw the Colts have some success with some schemed up plays kind of in the, in the intermediate range over the middle of the field. Bengals cleaned that up. It's not a problem anymore. 
And you're, again, you're seeing these corrections in real time by the Bengals secondary. These are the signs of progress, signs of progress you want to see. These guys are athletes. These guys are smart football players. And you're starting to see that translate more and more consistently. Um, your gut feeling. Uh, and, and, and look, I, don't, I rarely ever throw you on the spot about the prediction business. But look, there's so many variables and nobody knows. Nobody has a crystal ball. But when you look at the schedule, you look at the remaining four games, who they're going to play. Uh, good teams, there's no doubt. I mean, Kansas City's a good team. Cleveland is a good team. Uh, you know, the Steelers are what they are. And, and then you got Minnesota this coming weekend. Do you think when all of a sudden it's said and done, is it, 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 does this end up being a playoff team? And will it take 10 wins for sure to get them in? Well, the schedule sure does help. It's still a situation where, like, I'm – gaining more and more confidence in Jake Browning every week from an evaluation and projection standpoint, expecting more and more from him going forward. But he's still a guy who hasn't done it. Like the Vikings next week, they're going to throw blitz looks that, you know, Joe Burrow would have never seen before. That's what they do. How does Jake Browning handle that? I don't know. But it helps that they're in an even worse quarterback situation than the Bengals are. And the Steelers are in an even worse quarterback situation than the Bengals are. So I'm feeling pretty good about them for these next two weeks. Down the stretch, it gets tough. I think it takes 10. You know, the Browns and Chiefs have their flaws and have their unbelievable strengths. I don't know how that's going to play out. Talk about a Chiefs team testing that young secondary with stuff they haven't seen before. Again, I think it takes 10. I'd lean no right now just because, again, I think there are new looks on both sides of the ball. We haven't seen the Bengals overcome yet. But they've already made it way farther than I thought they would yep. this year. I thought they'd win two games with Jake Browning, and they've already won two in a row. So, uh, again, they keep showing answers and signs of improvement. Let's see where it takes them. Uh, fellas, anybody? Read anything for Charlie? Uh, Zebra, anybody? All right. Zebra, anything from you? I, uh, again, my, I don't have any ears for that, but. Oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. We're still in that mode. Yeah. Okay. What did Trace not bring in the stuff? We're I, just, supposed to I, bring just don't, in? I just don't have to. All right. That's, that's Casey, tell, tell him I say hi. Yeah, I will. I will definitely tell him you said hi. Anything, fellas? I just appreciate him coming on. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Charlie, you're a good man. Thanks for uh, all the hard work. Oh, you know, one more thing I do want to ask you. Because I've seen this topic debated over the weekend. And quite frankly, I am just stunned. Uh, I've known and been friends with Ken Rosenthal for The Athletic for, for years and years and years. And he just wrote a piece over the weekend about how anybody that wonders about the current state of Major League Baseball, it's, it's totally healthy that a guy got $700 million in a 10-year contract, which Shohei Otani got over the weekend against the Dodgers. Do you believe that's good for baseball? It's good for Shohei. It's good for the Dodgers. You think it's good for the game? Well, you know, I, I cover these games, but if I didn't, I'd be buying a ticket to see the Dodgers. I'll be watching the Dodgers a lot more than I would have already. This is what you love about the sport and love about the game. Um, what's interesting is, yes, the Dodgers are afforded opportunities that other teams aren't, these big market teams are. I think the way they structured that contract is so interesting. Um, like, the Reds did that with Ken Griffey Jr. It's not like the Dodgers have done something unheard of to create some sort of competitive advantage. It's all about where you're at right now from a team building perspective. The Dodgers are in a spot to go more all in than the Reds are. That's also part of like the philosophical approach and the differences between these two teams. Again, the Diamondbacks just beat the Dodgers as well. I think there's more competitive balance regardless of payroll than there is in any other sport. So 
it's good for the game. The Dodgers will probably win a lot more games, but there's also a path to beat the Dodgers, and there's also going to be a lot more interest just in the season and in the game as a whole. I look forward to seeing Otani on that big stage, and you know what? I'll take that and live with any you know consequences for the game to see that happen because of how exciting that's going to be. All right, Charlie. Thanks so much for your time, buddy. Have a great rest of your day. See you guys. All right. And by the way, the Reds play the Dodgers seven times in an 11-day stretch on the road and at home. That's going to be right around Memorial Day weekend. Hmm. So Shohei will be rolling into town. He cannot pitch this year because of the Tommy John surgery, but he will be a regular in the lineup for the Dodgers. $700 million, big boy. How we looking? That's laugh out loud funny. I mean, it really is. I that's a joke, really. I mean, it. I I'm all for capitalism. I love it. I think I think that if you are if you can if you can work hard in this country and someone's willing to pay you something, you deserve to make whatever someone's willing to pay you. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but for a league, it is. Um, you know, my biggest thing my biggest thing at this point, Tom, with the whole salary cap debate is uh, it's not so much a salary cap as much as it is. It's frustrating to know that really, uh, if you find a superstar, let's just say, for instance, Ellie De La Cruz does turn out to be a, a, a world-class player and one of the best players on the planet. Well, for all intents and purposes, it's it's a shame that the team that went and found him in the Dominican Republic that signed him for $30,000 when no one knew who the hell he was has zero chance to retain him on their team. Zero chance. That's the most disappointing part, is that you will never have a player that is world-class stay with an organization that's not outside of maybe four organizations. That's where baseball's at. And yeah. as a, it, the same, the same reason that people will complain about the transfer portal and when college basketball had the one and done is maybe you could argue the same reason as, as to why you could be frustrated with major league baseball in the current state is that you will not be able to retain your own guys. We're, we're basically Miami, Miami Oxford football. And I know that sounds really, really bad, but we are Miami Oxford football. If we have an elite-level quarterback, that elite-level quarterback is gone after one year. If you have an elite-level player as a small market, they will be gone once, you could argue, even arbitration hits because the teams are going to want to trade them to get something out of them. So that's, that's, that's the issue, in my opinion. It's interesting that uh, Scott Boris, who a lot of people don't like, I, I've always had a very good relationship with him. Uh, he's been on this show two or three times. I really like the guy. I think he's un I, he is so smart. He's so cutting edge. Uh, you, you, you know, you don't read about his guys getting into this and that and all this other stuff. I mean, he is just doesn't say they're all perfect. I'm not saying that in any spin. I'm just saying he, if you were a player or you were a broadcaster, or you were a doctor, and you had to have an agent for something, that would be the guy that you should hire. I mean, he is going to go to bat for you come hell or high water. He does a phenomenal job. And I know my dad has been more critical than, uh, on him than anybody. Anyway, I like the guy. I, and he's smart. And, you know, he was asked uh, during the, the GM meetings this past week in Nashville, his assessment of... Uh, the Shohei deal and about these big money contracts, and he was not Shohei's uh, agent. Um, and, and he talked about how he does have Blake Snell, the reigning National League Cy Young Award winner, doesn't have a contract yet or a team yet. But, you know, he said that this whole streaming thing with teams having Bally bail out 
going bankrupt, and the Reds are one of those teams. The Reds are scheduled to make $60 million this year, and then that deal is over. They're not going to pay him anymore. And in fact, it's a very realistic possibility that Bally's pulls the plug on him at some time during this year. They're out of cash. I mean, they're just out of cash, and they can't make these payments. They've already pulled the plug on Minnesota. They've pulled the plug on the Padres. They've pulled the plug on Arizona. Uh, they're getting ready to pull the plug allegedly on Cleveland as well as the Reds. So all of these teams, and Minnesota, as of right now, does not have anywhere to put their games on television. Nowhere. Last year, Major League Baseball, when it happened in the middle of the season, Major League Baseball guaranteed the Diamondbacks and the Padres 80% of the rights fee money they were scheduled to make out of the coffers from MLB that they were scheduled to make with Bally's. But now that deal's off. So the Diamondbacks don't know where their games are going to be. Okay, now MLB is looking to scramble around and pick all these games up. But Boris maintains that this is basically, his equivalent was, he says it's ultimately going to be an ATM machine for Major League Baseball teams once they figure out how to do this, to be able to sell it, to be able to stream it, uh, and the revenue that will come with that lifting all these blackout restrictions uh, and so on and so forth. So restrictions, easy for me to say. So, you know, whether or not that's going to happen, but I'll tell you what, been very few things that Scott Boris has talked about that, that, that weren't spot on when all was said and done. Tom, I, I saw a, a sports economist talking about this show, Otani deal, and I, I have no way, I'm not going to fact check or anything like that, but I saw him talking about saying that the L.A. Dodgers will recoup like a quarter, 20% to a quarter of their investment in Shohei Otani before even opening day, just a new sponsorship and, and, and sweet deals and stuff like that, which I think is like I didn't even think about, which is absolutely crazy. If it's true, if it's true, I don't know if that's true. But yeah, if, if it's true, right? If they if they can recoup a quarter of that before opening day this year, that's 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 insane. But don't yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when it comes to, I, I think some of the sponsorships probably spot on. Uh, certainly, you know, their television deal is a weird deal out there because you can live in most places in Los Angeles, in and around Los Angeles, and you never get to see a Dodger game. It's not on television on the local cable outlet. They started their own thing a few years ago. And I think it's like 60% or 70% of the market doesn't even get their games on TV. So their TV ad sales will go up. There's no doubt. Uh, their, you know, Skybox sales, um, many of those are in two and three and five and 10 and 15 year contracts and companies will come in and buy those things. I don't know what kind of wiggle room they have there. Certainly as far as merchandise is concerned, right. that will be stuff. off the reservation. I mean, Shohei jerseys will be by far and away and it won't even be close. The number one selling Jersey in all of baseball starting this Christmas. Are you getting a Shohei Otani? Ooh, you going to get an Otani? Are you Dodgers getting one uh, zebra? No. I, no, I'm, I'm not interested in that. It is interesting to me, though, that this contract, uh, $700 million for 10 years, and, we're, and, and Major League Baseball, I know they're never going to get rid of the salary, uh, or they're never going to add a salary cap. Yep. Nobody would ever allow that. Uh, I do think there should be, however, a salary minimum. I do think that should be in place. Yep. Uh, and again, people aren't going to like that. I get it. But at the, at, at, at the end of the day, you want your league to be as competitive as possible. And if you have owners whose net worth isn't equivalent to the contract of Shohei Otani, 
It's hard to run a serious league. It's hard to run a serious sports league. So I, I would say if the MLB, and again, it, it'll never happen, so I don't know why I even say it, but it's a sport talk, sports talk show, so I thought I'd bring up the point. At some point, there's going to have to be some competitiveness in this league where, a, where the Dodgers can't offer a guy $70 million a year for 10 years, and the Reds have to pay Kevin Newman. Like, it's just, at some point, we're, it's just going to have to be better. But good for Shohei, good for the sport. Well, the Reds are spending some money. I, I mean, I think they've committed, what, $87, $88 million to, to the guys that they've gone out there and signed so far. And we, we continue to, you know, sort of wait to see if the next shoe drops, uh, having acquired uh, the players they've acquired and having this, you know, this, this, this uh, backlog of infielders, um, and, and certainly more on the way and whether they're going to make a big deal or not. But look, this is a football Monday. We got lots to talk right. about today. This is all about the Bengals, some other things around the NFL. Uh, this Kansas City thing, need to talk about that. You know, they, they really look bad the way they handled the thing yesterday. Mm -hmm. I can understand being frustrated. We all get frustrated. And there are moments in our lives and you lose your temper and you wish you didn't and you say things you wish you didn't and you hurt people you wish you I mean, those things are human nature. But this Kansas City Chiefs team has had just about every break that you could ever imagine come their way. They've created most of their own luck, truth be told, by hiring the coach they hired, bringing in the players they brought in, making a trade with Buffalo to move up in the draft, to get Patrick Mahomes, all those kinds of things. They are who they are. They've gotten better on defense. But Patrick Mahomes has never had to go on the road and win playoff games. Now, they earned that by the way they played during the regular season. But now all of a sudden when things don't start to go your way and Maybe this isn't quite what it used to be. And, you know, we're not able to do this like we did, you know, uh, the, the last year or the year before, or the year before. And to lose a game and basically blame the official for losing the game, it just comes across, it, it, it's just not a good look. It really isn't. Guys like Reed and Mahomes, they should be above this nonsense. <laughs> they should be. Why are you laughing? Just keep going. Why? Why are you laughing? You said uh, guys just, like uh, Reed, Reed and Mahomes, and I looked at like you were accusing me of doing something. Well, you have a lot of that in you as well. <laughs> you have a lot of that too. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, come on. Come on. And we'll talk about this after, after the, the, the ad reads. I mean, this yesterday. And again, I get it because I've done it as much as anybody. Lose your temp temper and, you, you know, and Mahomes slamming his helmet on the I get it. I'd have been that guy. If that's your personality and your makeup, there's nothing wrong with that. Some fire and some passion and all. But come on. Don't come out after the game. You had 58 minutes this play occurred in the last minute and a half of the game you had 58 minutes to be four points better this is just like the Bengals the last couple of years the Super Bowl the AFC championship game last year you had five other drives to kick a field goal I don't want to hear about how great you are all you needed was a field goal and all the charge, all the Chiefs had to do yesterday 
was not fumble the ball away, not throw picks, just score one more touchdown, and you win the game. Now they're going to say, well, we did score the touchdown. Well, you didn't. You lined up offside. Stevie Wonder could have seen that play. All right, add time. Casey, are you well enough to do it today or not? Yay or nay? I got it, Tom. All right, take it away. The Bengals report, which we did earlier today, is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, uh, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. Productivity. That's right, guys. Productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And then you know what's coming up. Oh, backwards. Pawnee water. Made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Yes, it is. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water. Some say the best tasting water in the world. I wish I would have had this last week when I was sick, but got to go buy some at PawneeWater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. And that's where you can buy this great tasting water. That's right. Could you imagine being uh, the Kansas City Chiefs? And for a team that has gotten the benefit of the doubt and gotten as many calls in big situations as you can possibly get, to come out and almost act as if the officiating, it's like every week we're talking about the officiating. You know, I didn't say anything about uh, uh, MVS last week on the non-pass interference call against the Packers because, you know, I just you let the players decide on the field. Really? This is the same guy that got a that got a roughing the passer called on him when he had two feet in bounds and got hit. The yeah. same guy that also got kind of just barely shoved out of bounds in the in the in the AFC Championship game that ultimately ended up getting them in field goal position to be able to kick a game winning field goal to get to the Super Bowl. The same guy that got a, a phantom holding call in the Super Bowl that literally handed them an opportunity to kick a game winning field goal in the Super Bowl. The same guy that. Didn't get a block in the back called on a Drew Christmas punt that got him ultimately fired, if you want to think about it, in the NFL. The same guy that didn't get a holding call on that one penalty that Trey Hendrickson was trying to sack him. The same guy that against the Cowboys ran for 35 yards that 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 they didn't call a holding that was clear as day on Mark uh, Parsons. The same guy? Like, is the world coming, finally seeing all this for what it is? The Chiefs ultimately have gotten a lot of fortunate calls. You can say they've been put in a position, and they have put themselves in that position. I'm not saying the Chiefs aren't great. I'm not saying they're good. But to stand up there and be a little bitch about it oh, is one of the most all-time ridiculous things I've ever seen in sports. It uh, is. He, it genuinely is. Have you ever seen an athlete be so out of touch with reality than he has last night standing at that podium? You haven't. I mean, you it haven't. Was, it was... It was beyond just being a crybaby. I mean, it was just, it wasn't just on the sidelines during the game. It wasn't just the handshake with Josh Allen. It wasn't just on the podium. I mean, he's still, still complaining about it the morning after. Like, what How do you do? not go what in the we... locker room, Casey? How do you not go in the locker room? You know what? All the on field stuff, let it be. You go in the locker room and your guy stands a, a literally a yard off sides. Well, and then also, there's all these people are like, well, the referees, they don't really call that. They should, they should, he should have had to ask. <laughs> where, where's the line in the sand, brother? 
Are you allowed to stand four yards off sides? As long as you, as long as you, is, you know, you, you should get a warning on that. He like it's a penalty. Just go back in the locker room and say, you know what? I made a mistake. Let me show you how easy it is, Casey. Ready? Mouse cop. Congratulations. Xavier's a great team. I didn't know they were a great team. I got masked by what happened earlier in the season. I didn't realize they had a great team. They're a great team. I can't wait to watch them the rest of the year. Kudos to Mouse Cop. That's all you had to say. Instead, he wants to go in there and just complain about it. I get I mean, about I got I got go a couple. So I'm going to eventually talk more about this on uh, what did I miss because there's a, a lot of great just clips from Mahomes and what he had to say. But the fact that, I mean, he just went everywhere on it. I mean, it was not just about the game, but it was Mahomes. It was about Kelsey's career, his Hall of Fame career, how it affects his career. It was well, an what, awesome play, though. I mean, what, what, are we, what are we talking about? I mean, like. It was incredibly awesome if you had money on it like I did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I Elliot, Elliot, Elliot lost his whole net worth, and you didn't see him crying about it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I didn't say anything about it. Also, real quick, before we forget, Ricky Logan, imagine crybaby Mahomes when Jake the Snake comes slithering in and slaps KCNL to lose three division to lose the division to the Broncos. That's nice. going to be fantastic. I'll tell you what, it's a very real possibility. I mean, they're one game behind them, and Denver's got it going on, man. They're playing good football, but you know that you know. The, the part that, that, that might have bothered me the whole most was you brought up about the handshake. The handshake. I mean, was he was terrible. like, you know, the, because how many that's times the through the years has Josh Allen had to walk across that field? Whether you like Josh Allen or not, it doesn't matter. Josh Allen, how many times heartbreak city when they play Kansas City and he has to walk across the field as starting quarterbacks always do and has to shake Patrick Mahomes hand after losing again especially losing when it matters. And for Mahomes to come walking, do you think Josh Allen needs to hear from Patrick Mahomes, that's the worst effing call I've ever seen while they're yeah. shaking hands? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, Mahomes, he even says in his presser, that's like an elementary penalty. Yeah, because you learn in elementary, you learn in Pee Wee not to be... Lining up offsides. Do you think the same kind of language was directed at Ladarius Tony? Ladarius. I'm sorry. Ladar do, do you think that that, that that happened? No. No. No accountability. No. I mean, Mahomes could have sat up there and said, you know, man, yeah, I'm not crazy that they called it. But goodness gracious, the mistakes that this team makes, that we make, Dropping passes. They lead the league in drops. And, I mean, it's all of them. The only one who's worth a hoot when it matters is the Rice kid, mm -hmm. right, who's all of a sudden come on these last three, four, five weeks. The rest of them, I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing or another all the time. Whining, complaining, tired of hearing Kelsey complaining all the time. Just play the game. You've won three Super Bowls or whatever it is in the last five years, right? Two, but yeah. No, Two. That's, that's the they thing. They played that, in three, forgive me. Yes, they played in three. That's the thing that I think I took away from this the most. And I, I'm with you on, I thought the handshake, 
to Josh Allen was way worse, way worse than him whining on the podium because, like you said, Josh Allen's had to go shake Patrick Mahomes' hand after, you know, battle after battle, right? And and all of a sudden, Josh Allen finally gets one over, and you're just going to go up there and whine to his face. That's whatever. But, you know, I've sat here in this chair, and everyone calls me the Mahomes and the Chiefs slappy, and and I get it. And I had pushed back against everyone that said, something's not right with this team. Something's not right with this team. And I would just constantly say, listen, they got the best quarterback in the league. They got the best coach in the league. I'm going to take my, I'm going to put my money on the Kansas City Chiefs being all right in the ends. But what I noticed from last night is you only act like that when the, it, it's coming out of place of severe frustration. Yeah. Severe, because he knows something's r- not right. They know something's not right. They've lost three out of four games now. Yep. And if they were 10 and 2, 10 and 1, whatever whatever their record would be at this point and that play happens, you know, you might say that seems like a weird spot to call that penalty, but you move on. You don't sit there and whine and whine and whine and, and throw a temper tantrum on the sideline. You only do that when you're kind of begging for it, right? When you need it to, to get the win. You're yep. like, what are you talking about? That's a that's a penalty. We need that call and all these things. And as for people that that brings up that they've gotten the benefit of the doubt more often than not, they have. But we say this with every team that that is successful in the NFL. All oh, the Patriots for years got every call and all these teams. So I think that's a tire take. But I will I will admit that this this instance of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs, the way that they reacted to that play was such a clear source of frustration that they are aware. What everyone else watching the, the National Football League is aware is something's not right with this Kansas City team. And we all see the problem. It's not It's not a mystery what's going on with Kansas City. Everyone goes, why isn't this team explosive on offense? Well, we see the problem. It, it, it's their wide receivers. You know, they're fumbling the ball. They're making plays. They're lining up offsides on one of the greatest plays in NFL history. All these things. You see the problem. But now... It's manifesting its way to the best quarterback in the league mm-hmm. is throwing a temper tantrum. Yep. It's manifesting its way that the best coach in the league is is complaining, almost throwing a temper tantrum, right? That's that's the frustration just rearing its head right before our eyes. I'll be curious to see what they find their golden child here because this should be a monstrous fine. They've been finding guys left and right for, like, throwing up peace signs, scoring touchdowns. And we have Patrick you Mahomes. You can't question the refs. That 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 is a finable offense. You can't openly question refs. So there mean, there the is a fine coming. What are they going to fine him for? Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, that you, you, yeah, you yeah. Can there is there is a fine coming. The refs. There you should can abs- be. absolutely not. Especially not. I can't imagine what he was saying on the sideline uh, and making a no spec- freedom of speech and making a spectacle of it on TV. They they're fining guys ten thousand dollars for just standing in the end zone when they score a touchdown. Yeah, yep. uh, he he's gonna he's gonna receive a monstrous fine. No, no freedom of speech. They they limit on what players can make. This is a communist. Listen, league. I, I Taylor, the the whole Taylor Swift thing cracks me up because ultimately, like you know, we, we all we all are well aware that that has no impact or imba- uh, bearing on, on this team. At least in my opinion, obviously it doesn't. They they are what most most franchises ultimately become. We'll see if they can they can kind of turn the ship or get it back on track. But this is what happens when you pay a quarterback a lot of money. And you start cutting, you start cutting, cutting costs. And right. you can say whatever you want about what what it is that makes Patrick Mahomes great, but he's had the greatest tight end of all time, who's not getting any better. He's old, and he's going to continue to keep getting older in this league. As we've seen, how many times have we seen in this league where guys have been good and they fall off the face of the earth really fast because this is just not a game for old people, and that's the facts. So 
You get rid of Tyreek Hill, who goes to Miami, turns, and I'm not saying he turned two into a juggernaut, but next thing you know, he's doing the same thing he's always done. The Chiefs are missing some guys that they've had in the past, and it's starting to rear its head. Mahomes is frustrated. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because ultimately I, I, I do think that this is, uh, I'm not saying the downfall of the Chiefs because I, th- I still think, if anything, they do have a good defense. Yes, they do. Which that helps right. a yes, lot. Yes, they right. do. They have an excellent defense. They have a top five defense. I mean, they're right there playing as well as any defensive team. And yet you hold, you, you hold Josh Allen and Buffalo to 20, uh, you know, that's getting it done. I don't care if it's at home or on the road. The, the one advantage, Kansas City, I mean, you talk about Now, look, they've played this year, okay, the likes of the Lions and the Jaguars. I'm talking about out-of-division games now. So they've played the Lions and the Jaguars. And they, they, they've played Miami, and they've played the Eagles, and they've played the Bills, and they're going to play the Bengals, okay? But their last four games. They're going to win the division. I mean, it's unbelievable. They played the Patriots. They played the Raiders. They played the Bengals at home. And they played the Chargers, who just lost Herbert probably for the rest of the year. I don't even know if that even makes any difference anymore, how bad they are. These injuries are, are it, it is. You look at the quarterback situation. Stroud yesterday uh, gets concussed. That should, that, that'll be a huge fine. Huge fine on Williams. Drove him straight into the ground. Straight into the ground after he released the ball. That will be a huge fine for him. Uh, so, you know, he's in protocol. You, you, you get um, – who am I forgetting? The other one that got hurt yesterday. Um why am I drawing a blank on this? I'm trying to think. I can't think of anyone else who got hurt yesterday. But you, you already have a, a, a ton, of, got hurt. ton of – What's that? I Sorry. thought there was another one. But, but there are guys that are just beat up all around the league. We've talked about it. The Bengals' schedule this year. I mean, Mahomes is the only starter of the teams they play the remainder of the season. Flacco, they're going to play him. Trubisky, maybe Trubisky, maybe somebody else. Uh, play him. You got Dobbs this week. He got hit hard yesterday. Um, they had to bring in a backup for a lot of that game and a three nothing win. So, you know, it, it's it's well, you know, it, it, the list goes on and on and on and on. Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers and right on down the road. Or Herbert was the only one was the other one I'm talking about. He okay. broke his finger, so he might be out for the year. But um, all right, look, how about what did what did I miss? Let's bounce around the room a little bit. Okay. What did I miss? Do we begin with Reed Mouse? Is that where we started sure. with you, Casey? Um, well, mine was the Mahomes stuff. Yeah, okay, but so, you're gonna run some some of the high, you're gonna run some of the video or the sound. Is that right? That's what you wanted to do. Yeah, All yeah. Right. We can just for I'm those gonna, who may have missed it, and a lot of people did. Yeah, I'm not gonna uh, do the whole moving around the box thing that we normally do. I'm just gonna throw it up there so you guys can listen because we already talked about this quite a bit. First, I'm gonna show how bad he was offsides. I mean, that blue line isn't even indicating the, the the actual line of scrimmage the ball where the ball is placed is where he's off sides he can't even be like that close i mean he's like a foot off maybe a, even a yard off um that's to, just compare him to the receiver at the top of the screen who's on the line right to, right to, to, to once again not defending the kansas city chiefs but kyle kasky brought up this point earlier and i think it is a it is decent context is more often than not uh, an NFL ref will tell you if you line up there, they will tell you, hey, son, you need to back up a step. They'll, they'll, they'll go up and go, hey, you need a step. And then also Kadarius Tony's also supposed to check with a ref and be like, hey, am I good? But obviously neither thing happened. 
Yeah, and then this is just what Mahomes had to say. I thought this was just the 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 most ludicrous thing that he said during his whole tantrum. To take the game into his hands over a, a call like that that doesn't affect the play at all, at all, didn't affect anything. Um, I mean, it's just tough, man. And like I said, man, that's a Hall of Fame tight end making a Hall of Fame play that won't be shown because we threw a flag on for offensive offsides. And so it takes away from not only this game and this season, but from a legendary career that Travis has had. And I mean, that hurts me because I know how, how hard he works. I mean, to take the game into his hands. How much more game. ludicrous can that be? <laughs> I mean, there are reports even coming out now. You know, the Twitter brain dead. Where they come from, I have no idea. But, you know, now all of a sudden they're saying, well, Tony did ask the ref. Yeah. They, they, uh, come on. Come on. I mean, would Mahomes be saying the same thing about a, a, a defensive lineman that they should have checked with the official if they line up in the new? No. Come on. Just take the loss, and I know you're frustrated, and move on. Move on. We got to be better. We got to play better. We're not playing like we expect to play. We're the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. One of the basic premises of being a football team and being a football player is to not line up on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Right? Right. I mean, come right, on. Right, right. This isn't even 101 stuff. This is peewee football stuff. Don't line up in the neutral zone. Period. Why can't somebody just say it? You know, why, why are head of officials or, 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 or former head of officials, McCauley and Stitch, instead of, uh, Gene Stedator, he's got, why are they coming out and having defend officials? Why are the officials of that game being raked over the coals? Why is Patrick Mahomes' wife putting the officials' names on her Twitter account? Seriously! What in the hell is going on? Where's the rant about Tony? Hey, dude, there's the ball. Here's a line of scrimmage. Hey, man, wake up. Here we are. Wake up, 101 stuff, right? And I'm sorry. And the cherry on I just did my Patrick Mahomes. The cherry on top <laughs> to that, too, is this isn't actually the first time they've been burnt with the offsides penalty. I don't know if you guys remember the Chiefs versus the Patriots in the championship game where that defensive end, who was nowhere near the intercept, what would have been the game winning interception, lined up in the neutral zone. And they threw a flag on that. I didn't hear Mahomes complain that time. So what's the difference now? Where, where's the line in the sand, I mean, too? <laughs> for, for, for the, I guess my questions to the to the Griffins of the world or the people that are saying this is a ludicrous call. And I asked Patrick the same thing. Where's the line in the sand? Like, how far are you allowed to line up past the ball without without it being a big deal? I mean, because he's a full yard. Can we can we go two yards, three yards? Like, at what point is it just acceptable to line up wherever you're lining up at? And if the rules aren't the rules then I guess pretty much what we could consider how many times holding gets called, Tom, where it didn't impact the play. Yeah, I mean, you didn't hear somebody brought it up in the chat. I mean, it was, I mean, you talk about playing his day. That punt return for a touchdown yesterday by Baltimore. I mean, there's two right. blocks in the back right, there. Right. No doubt. You know, I'm sure McVay's hot, man, and I'm sure he let the officials know about it in his own way. And generally what happens is, 
is on a Monday morning, coaches will pick up the phone and they will call the NFL offices and they will have, you know, their complaints to make to the league office. And they will say, hey, look, here's a document. They'll send the, the guy an email and they'll say, here's a document of four or five plays in a game yesterday that I'd really appreciate it if you could take a look at this because this is just not good. That's the way it normally works. But I can promise you that that phone call is coming from a league office today to Kansas City because they went way over the line, way over the line yesterday in their blatant, uh, uh, full display press conference on the field, screaming profanities at the official on the sideline by Mahomes yesterday. Everybody's seen it. All right. What else did I miss? Reed Mouse, are you up? Yeah, I'm up. You All know, right. we, we talked about crossing a line or, or, or getting to a line, and I just wanted to <laughs> recognize some, some greatness. Listen, well, I don't know if you saw this, Tom, but um, the inaugural – in-season champion was crowned. The most valuable player was LeBron James. Yes, this brings, I did. His, this brings his total of championships up to five. He is now only one behind Michael Jordan. He also has one more in-season championship than Michael Jordan, as well as an MVP to boot. So, I mean, he's getting to the line to where the only argument that you had against LeBron was that he hasn't won as many rings, but he got a ring over the weekend. So I just wanted to, to give kudos to LeBron James getting – one step closer to matching the championship total of Michael Jordan. Is this another? Congratulations to, to, Congratulations. to LeBron. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. All right. Who's up next? Who's up next? Well, I knew. Who's up next? I knew damn well that Reed Mouse was going to do a bit. So why not just do another one really quickly and make it a, a full show of bits here on what did I miss? So for those that are sitting here screaming and yelling about the crosstown shootout, this, that, and the other, blah, 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 mouse cops, right? Mouse cops, right? Well, I mean, listen, I don't know if you've seen or not, but it was an even split one-to-one -one. Uh, because ultimately at the end of the day, Title IX, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Tom. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but, you know, I have everything in this country needs to be equal, and it should be I equal. I have heard of it. It should be equal. By God, UC, congratulations to the women there. They won 69-47. to 47. Xavier is without a win, and uh, it appears to me, Tom, they are uh, almost last. They're not quite there yet, but they're almost last in entire Division One. They forfeited a few games, didn't have enough players, but that's beside the point. So congratulations uh, to, the, uh, to the women. Cats for making the series an even split one-to-one -one this weekend. So I don't really know why all these fans are up in a tizzy arguing about which programs are better, which school's better. It was a nice even draw. Just just what you like to see. Speaking of draws, uh, the MLS Cup, what a great game that was that I didn't watch. <laughs> Trace. What a shot. Trace, you, did you say the Xavier Musketeers are without a win, the, the women's team? Did you say they're without a win? Uh, yeah, I think that's what I read. Uh, they they, 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 get, they did win one tickets? game. You're right. Can we get tickets? To when UConn comes to the Centos Center. That would be. For the girls' basketball I'll game. I'll pay for it. Do you think good. Gino and his four worst players could beat Xavier? Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right, I'm done punching down. Go ahead, Elliot. All right. Yeah, and I have nothing to add about that crosstown shootout nonsense. Uh, that's, listen, I. It's a tough one. It, it, was, a it, very, was, a it was a very tough I'm one. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, so nobody watched this game. Nobody in their right mind would watch an NFC South game, but the Buccaneers did play the Falcons yesterday. And what a game for our guy, Baker Mayfield. Listen, they ruled this guy out. The Browns sent him away, shipped him off. He played one game for the Rams, I think, or a couple games for the Rams. Looked decent. 
got a job with Tampa, won the starting job. And I'm not going to sit here and say Tampa Bay is very good at football. They're 6-7, and seven, but they do lead the NFC South. Leading a division does mean a little bit. And Baker Mayfield, with almost no time left in the game yesterday, just a couple minutes, drove down the field on Desmond Ritter's Atlanta Falcons, punched it in, touchdown. Baker Mayfield's all the way back. I woke up feeling dangerous. I mean, that's just what it is. Uh, did I? Did the, what did I miss? Title get changed? Uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was an old one because dangerous is danger, Russ. No, da- yeah. no, he. Dan- so you changed my what did I miss, Casey? I, I did. Oh, damn that's it! My, that's so we bad. missed. What did you? Miss? Is this editorial control for you again, Casey? Serious? I mean, what? People, uh, come on! How can it's his danger? Quote. I mean, he woke you're up back in the saddle dangerous. after blowing us off three days last week, and, how- and, and and now you're changing. Zebras. Look, waking up feeling dangerous is danger, Russ. You no, that is week, Russell The direct Wilson. quote is Baker Mayfield. No. Right. Last week we had creative freedom in this room. No longer. No, no longer. No. no longer. Nope. Socialists are back. Unbelievable, yep. Tom. Tyranny. Tyranny. Shut her down. Shut Casey, her down. Casey got his What did you miss, Tom? What did I miss that you seen? I got to tell you, you know, and, and I'm not saying that I'm all in and all sold uh, on what the Bears ought to do with Justin Fields, but I got to tell you, uh, I look at what this guy's done the last five weeks, and the Bears are three and two, and the Bears are terrible. Fields has been sacked 15 times in the last five, three, five weeks alone. 15 times. Yet the Bears are three and two. He has thrown six touchdowns. He has only thrown one interception. And he has rushed for 320 yards. They should have beaten the Lions twice. They did beat them yesterday. But this cat, man, is playing. We know he can run it, but he's making good decisions with the football. And if I'm the Bears, I mean, I think about a month and a half ago, everybody's saying when, when Fields was hurt, and he played through his injury for a long time, then finally came out that they were saying, you know, get him out of here and bring in Caleb Williams or whoever it is you might want to draft. I don't know anymore. Trace, what do you think about that? Tom, I can't agree. I, I can't agree more. I, I, I think the Bears should extend fields, if anything. I, Are you being I, facetious I am hoping. About this? Yes, he is. I am yes, hoping. Is. You're being facetious. I am hoping, bits, I am hoping oh, that Chicago Bears will, will, will find that they have a great franchise quarterback, Tom. So the, this the, the is same guy, the, the same guy. I'll turn to you, uh, Elliot. Never I don't plays. want to hear this. This is all He's hurt a bit. half the time. This is all a bit. I mean, let's not, let's not act like Justin Fields wasn't set up for failure the, the moment he was drafted to that dog trash organization. No doubt. The Chicago That's Bears. Uh, I mean, just this year, God knows what happened to that defense. Yeah, because C.J. Stroud went into a great organization. But keep Houston going. Texans? Yeah. Okay. Well, the Chicago Bears, I would argue, have been more problematic for a significantly longer period. I believe this year they had $100,000 worth of equipment stolen from their facility because they left the gates open. I mean, this That's is the, the truth. This, That's a fact. That's this, not a joke. This is a franchise That's a fact. that has a leading pat. Their, their, their best quarterback of all time Jay is Cutler. Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler. And you want to and you want to compare the organizations of Houston and Chicago? Okay, uh, Justin Fields. Do I think he's a great quarterback? No, but he's he's a serviceable quarterback in the NFL. Do you want to build your franchise around him? That's up to you. That's up to the Chicago Bears. If I, if I, if I had to guess what's going to happen is that he's going to be dealt, and that's going to be that. But to say Justin Fields is a bad quarterback is nonsense. Well, I mean, you, know, you, you, you look at, okay, he, he didn't take over as a starter. This is only his third year in the league. And he wasn't a starter until 
about halfway through his rookie year in which he threw seven touchdowns and 10 picks. The last two years, he's thrown 30 touchdowns against 17 interceptions. Now, is that great? No, it's not even a two-to-one yet, but it's certainly trending much more in that direction. I just pointed out a minute ago. He's thrown one pick in his last five games, and the running numbers are staggering. So am I sitting here arguing that he is a great quarterback? All I'm saying is this. He is 24 years old. Joe Burrow is three years older than Justin Fields. Now, nobody's comparing Joe Burrow to Joe. I'm just saying, what, 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 what might Fields' numbers look like this time next year? What about the year after that when he'll turn 26 during the season in the 2025 season? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. But I tell you one thing, man, at 6'3", 230, and, and, and the kind of athlete that he is, and he's trending in the right direction, I don't know if throwing in the towel and starting all over again is the right move. If they have the first overall pick, though, which is where they're projected, how can you not take Caleb Williams and, and get a new coach in there and restart? Well, they're not going to get a new coach in there because they're, they, now all of a sudden they're 5-8. and eight or whatever, six and eight. They're a lot better than people thought they were going to be. They've played over half the year with their starting quarterback out injured. So he ain't getting fired. Right. This guy's not getting fired. He just got hired. He's not getting fired. Right. So, I mean, you know, I look at a situation like that and I say to myself, okay, Caleb Williams, unbelievable talent. We were saying the same things about Justin Fields when he came out of college as we're saying about Caleb Williams, right? I mean, Justin Fields went to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. He had these numbers that were on un- his numbers were every bit as good as Caleb Williams. In fact, they were better than Caleb Williams because of the way he ran the ball. And he won more than Caleb Williams. So I'm not saying that Justin Fields is better than Caleb. I'm saying coming out of college, Justin Fields had better numbers no in doubt. college than Caleb Williams had. No doubt. So you're going to start all over tomorrow after you just sunk all of this time and this effort into getting fields to a point where you're starting to see some of the payback, some of the potential, when you have so many other needs on the Bears team. If this kid finishes strong, I'm packaging up. They're not going to get the number one pick anymore. They're not even close to the number one pick anymore. So they ain't getting Kayla Williams even if they want him. They have Carolina's pick. They have Carolina's pick. Well, okay. Oh, then I I stand corrected. Okay, then my bad. All right, then they will get the number one pick because that team stinks. Maybe one of the worst (laughs) of all time. But, okay, having said that, I still they have so many other needs that they have to get fixed that the amount of trade capital you would have for that number one pick in the draft, you could address three or four different areas of your team. So There's a philosophical debate here to be had. That thank I you think for reminding that, me of that. That, that I think is fair, Tom. And and I'm not – listen, I've been the guy that's in here and make fun of Justin Fields, this, that, and the other. The, the, the question of the day for the Bears organization is, and maybe for most organizations, is if you have if you have an opportunity to try to win a Super Bowl within maybe a window of two to three years where you have certain guys under contracts and you feel good about your core and all those types of things – I think Justin Fields is capable of being on a team like a like a um, Hertz is and, and winning that way. Yes, I do. Do I think that he's going to be a franchise quarterback like Mahomes or Rodgers or Breeze or Brady or anyone else in that matter where you play for 10 to 15 years and you're great? I do not think there's any shot in hell for that because ultimately I think he's going to get hurt and he's injury prone 
not because he's injury prone in the sense that I think he's glass, but because of the way that he plays. And he's an unbelievable athlete. Like, I, I will admit that Justin Fields' athleticism is the most impressive athleticism that there is at, at that position in the entire league. The question is, though, Tom, is that what is it from a franchise perspective would you, not would you rather have, but what, what, what's the end game here? Is it to go all in in the next three to four years with Justin Fields as your quarterback? Because as you said, they could probably get two, two to maybe even convince me of three really, really high draft picks for that number one spot. And then you got yourself in a position where you can just, as you said, really fill out your roster and have Justin Fields for the next, whatever it would be, three years, I think at this point, to try to go win a Super Bowl. And that is a fair argument. The argument that I'm not going to get behind is in 10 years, Justin Fields is going to be a serviceable quarterback because the one thing that nobody ever wants to admit is that although, yes, he looks great out there, he's injury prone. He's, he doesn't play a whole lot because he's hurt. The thing is, is they're still like they're still a couple like they're at least a year away from being serious contenders. So they only got three years left of Justin Fields. So yeah, can you go get more more draft capital for that first overall pick? No doubt about it. But then you're giving yourself only three year window. If you trade Justin Fields, and I think you can easily get a first round pick. I think I think a lot of teams would give up their first round pick for Justin Fields, if not even more capital, like even a second on top of the first round pick. You're then looking at three first round picks to completely mold a roster around a rookie quarterback in Caleb Williams, who I know I know he has his faults, but is undoubtedly one of the best prospects the National Football League has seen in the past 15 years. So you get a you get a start fresh, get a get a new restart the clock on a rookie quarterback. I think that's the far superior route for the Chicago Bears to go because I still think even if they do trade all these, you know, trade the first overall pick for four first round picks, they're still a couple years away with Justin Fields. To be fair to the Bears too, Tom, they have six wins, um, or they have five wins. Five, five my, my point is, it's not like they're the Panthers. No, it, it, they're they're a capable team, and I, and in fact, I think that they're like three point dogs this week, so they they're very capable of winning again. So I, I don't think the Bears are far off. It just comes down to what do they believe in? You're gonna find out because they're either gonna trade that pick and keep Fields and do what you said, stockpile picks, yeah, or they're going to just go in a completely different direction and trade Fields. And if if I were a Bears fan, I think I would trade Fields personally because I'd you can get I'd, I'd rather have the, in my opinion, a, a quarterback that doesn't rely on his legs as much as Fields does because we know that this league just does is not nice to guys who use that as their as their main weapon. So Fields in the last two years has thrown for six thousand yards and he's rushed for over two thousand. He's a good player. I mean, that, that how many games has he played in? He's, he only missed one game all uh, last year. Uh, he did not miss a game after taking over as a starter in 2021. This year, he has missed five games. He's a, listen. He's a good player. No one, no one's four doubt- games. Forgive me. He's no missed one, four games. No one's doubting that. It's, it's almost to the point that like the the I feel like the Bears are so far away that the the window for Justin Fields before you have to pay him is is so is so much shorter that you can just you can restart the whole thing. Because clearly where they're at right now isn't working. And you got to, like I said, I, I say what you want about Caleb Williams. He's one of the best prospects that the NFL has seen in, in a decade. Yep. So, I can't argue with that. So, I mean, if you have an opportunity to have three first-round picks and one of them is going to be Caleb Williams, you're going to get a top-10 pick with the Bears' own pick, and then wherever you trade Justin Fields, I don't know how you can, I don't know how you can, can shy away from that. But I, it's, I, both it, routes it, can it, work. It would depend, both how, they, it would depend how they finish the season. If they, I, I, I think there's a there's a scenario where Justin Fields can get the Bears to a playoff game, 
I think that's a scenario that's that's viable. If you want to risk it, and again, a, a lot of sports is is knowing when to risk stuff. If you look at what's happening with the Panthers, Bryce Young was 13 for 36 yesterday. He doesn't look like an NFL quarterback at all. You tank for Caleb. Williams. I'm not going to I'm not going to compare Bryce Young to Caleb Williams, but there's always a chance that Caleb Williams doesn't pan out to. Every, what his expectations, what everybody expects him to be. And if that happens, then you're really behind the eight ball. Well, I mean, look, I, at, look, look at some of the highest pick quarterbacks in the last two or three years. It's been a 50-50 split at best. Yep. At best. And I think Justin Fields, but, I think you can get into the playoffs with Justin Fields. Yeah, I'm not doubting. Like, I think both routes can work. But I, I think that there's a much higher ceiling in getting Caleb Williams and, and, and starting new, I think I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm looking at Caleb Williams, and, and if you look at the prospects that have come out of the draft in the past 15 years, he is maybe the second best prospect behind Andrew Luck. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is up there too. Joe Burr. I mean, all these names that you could throw out there. I don't know. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I think you can just. I think you can restart the whole franchise. Well, Parker Blake says, "What does Williams do that Fields can't behind an offensive line that doesn't allow your quarterback to process for a sliver of a second?" It's a I legitimate question. I mean, their the, offensive the, the, line. It's the first time all year long. They just said it on the telecast, whatever it was. Thanksgiving. It's, the coach said it was the first time all year long that they have had their offensive line where they wanted it, everybody healthy, intact, and it's still not that good. I just told you. He's been sacked, the most mobile quarterback in the NFL. Right. We all would agree with that. Sure. He's been, I mean, you can say that he hangs on the ball too long, and that's part of the reason for it, and I'm sure that's true. But he's still been sacked 15 times in the last five games. And that's a guy who runs like a deer. How long until you have to pay Justin Fields? Well, you know, right? I mean, you can pick up, it's only his third year. So next year, you still be on a rookie contract, and you got a year after that. So you got two years. You got two you could... full seasons, and he's 24 years old. Or you can, or you can get five full years of Caleb Williams with with the same roster, so, and and, and even more picks, if you if you trade Justin Fields away. Maybe I don't think that I, I mean I haven't seen I haven't not seen any indication and correct me if I'm wrong here, I have seen no indication whatsoever in recent memory and maybe I'm totally blanking out like I did on the the, the Bears having the Panthers pick a minute ago, I can't remember a a, a high draft pick quarterback that has been traded to bring back any draft capital whatsoever in recent memory. Because you either hit the lottery with these picks, the Joe Burrows, the Patrick Mahomes, the whoever you want to say. You either hit the C.J. Shrapp so far. It's early. He's a rookie. Or you completely tank out because the guy's terrible. Wilson had a good game yesterday. What, second or third pick in a draft? Right? Yep. Okay. Right. It, it, it's been a disaster. Bryce Young this year, it's only a rookie. I'm not going to throw in the towel on the guy. But if you traded Bryce Young tomorrow, you ain't getting anything for that guy. Nobody is going to give you a first-round pick for Bryce Young tomorrow. No right. chance. Right. I would make the argument, and, and again, somebody correct me if I'm wrong here. I can't remember the last quarterback that was traded that would be in this kind of situation where they're only two or three years in the league, they're a former number one pick, and you think you're going to get a bunch of draft cap. I don't think if they put fields on the open market. You see the Steelers trading? Jared, Jared Goff was traded. He was he was the second overall pick, right? Took a team yep. to the Super Bowl, and he got traded. Yep. For he took a team a, to the Super Bowl. A better situation. Yeah, I mean, but... I, but you I know just, what I'm saying. Yeah, I get it. I, if, I, 
I, I truly believe, and maybe I'm dead wrong, I truly believe that a team will give a first-round pick for Justin Fields. I truly believe that. Well, I start looking around. I, I mean, I'd have a hard time believing. I, I, I think you could get another Steelers. team. I think you could get another team's first round pick. Right. But you're not going to get a future in other. So if they all of a sudden they wanted to trade down, the Bears, and they wanted to trade with a team who needs it, then yeah, they'll say, okay, well, you got the first pick. We'll take that. We'll give you a couple of other players, whoever they are. And we'll take Fields, and yeah, we'll take your fifth or sixth or seventh pick in the draft. Yeah. Easily see that. Easily. If the Bears, they not only do they have the, the Panthers' first-round pick, they have their own first-round pick. Which is a top-ten pick. And as it currently, moment, sta- as a, as a as it currently stands, uh, they have next – like if, if they decided to not draft a quarterback, which more than likely – if you're not drafting a quarterback this year, you're probably going to trade that number one pick to another team. 100%. And you're going right. to get a whole other King Ran- King's ransom from that. Right. They're, they're- 2025, they still have their first round. They have two second rounds. Like, they have enough ammo to even, like, if it doesn't work out next year with Justin Fields, they could still trade and get whoever the next top quarterback is next year. Shador Sanders, like, he's going to be the top pick probably next year. Bring him in. That'd be a Bears thing to do. Well, it's just like... <laughs> it's, it's, you get my point, though. Like, what? you would get the top quarterback, probably. I know what you meant. Right. It's just, do you, do you want to restart the clock and get one of the best prospects that this, this draft has seen in the past 15 years? Or do you want to hold on to this idea that Justin Fields, who is injury-prone and has been up and down, to say the least, is, is your guy going forward? I think both routes can work. I just know that there's a lot of teams in the NFL. I can, I can rattle off four or five right off the right off the rip, that will probably trade a first-round draft pick for, for Justin Fields. And if I can get Caleb Williams, two other first-round draft picks this year on top of all the other draft capital you can get, and you can start new, start a new franchise and, and kind of mold it around Caleb Williams, I would do that. All right. All right. We've talked a lot about the Bears here today and uh, want to get back. Is there anything you guys want to get into about the shootout? Because we've not talked about no. that today. Or is this still too much of a football Monday to get into this? Yeah, let's go back to the Bengals real quick. That's actually a good point. Okay. Was was anybody oh. scared at all yesterday Ooh. when Jake Browning you got went, went out? You better believe it. I yeah, was horrified. Why, though? Why were you horrified? I was horrified. Because that was our that's our guy. I've said it I've said it all year long that Jake Browning's a, a serviceable, right. competent backup quarterback. And when we lose him, I don't know what we are anymore. So that's that's why, to answer your was that sufficient? I just remember, I'm pretty sure that most of this room was sitting there, or not most, maybe what? that side of the room was sitting there preaching, you, preaching, preaching, preaching for the preaching for the opportunity of AJ McCarron because he's got AJ McCarron, AJ McCarron because he played in the XFL, to, he was great in the XFL. To be fair, he threw a touchdown. To be fair, he threw a touchdown that was negated because of a terrible call, but. He was. I never, I never, he did make I, a throw. I never was yeah. pro AJ McCarron. Listen, I was. I was worried because it felt like we finally. I keep talking. I keep using the word hope. We, we finally got that hope back in this city. Hope right? and change. Right. We finally got an opportunity. We're like, all right, now can we start looking at playoff pictures and stuff like that? And right when that happens, the guy that has, you know, scored 30 points in back-to-back games goes down and you're just like, and it was on a, it wasn't like on a clear yeah. injury. So you're just like, cause those are the scariest. When something doesn't happen, when he doesn't get hit and he's just banged up on the on the on the ground, yeah. you're like, all right, well, I saw what happened. There, he's just walking off the field after running the ball. 
And you're like, what the heck is going on? So yeah, that was that was a little terrifying, no doubt about it. Yeah, I was shaking. McCarron I, I, threw a threw a dime though. That was a nice did. play on that touchdown pass. It was ruled it's off. Negated. Push off by. Uh, that was a great throw. Was a great throw. God, was that a great throw? You know what we, made me on, made me really nervous is because it was like the exact same scenario that happened with Joe. They show that same like falling down. He lands on his hand, and then he's grabbing on his thumb. Like it was the exact same scenario that we had already seen. Right. Is it safe to say that Chase Brown was 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 has been injured? Uh, I, because he was on IR you, for four weeks. I, and that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no way that that guy was not going to get any snaps till a couple weeks ago. What? Like, he 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 looks. I'm not trying to overreact, but he looks like a guy that is going to be a great player, like a Pikachu. Yeah. Like he's a Pikachu type player. Like uh, yeah. when you when you watch the game though, you can genuinely say he looks faster than 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 the other the other guys out there. He's, he's the second fastest guy in the was, league. Yeah. yeah but my point is like that you. You, that there's no way that this team, the way that they were they were playing, wouldn't have used that guy until he was like I can't sit here and he you keep asking questions where has he been? I'm trying to give Zach Taylor the benefit of the doubt and saying that he was injured because if not, that's the biggest malpractice well, for the entire season for the Bengals franchise. Well, yeah, that's the thing is I mentioned that you, you get a little more creative when your back's against the wall, right? Yep. When you got less, when, when, when you got really nothing to lose, you, you you play a little more loose. You start making decisions that you wouldn't otherwise do. And that's, I feel like, what happened. And, and I, we mentioned it after the Steelers game. We said, listen, if, if you want to take, quote-unquote, solace in something for the rest of this year, it's that these young guys are going to get chances to play. Because yep. you're going to have to try and figure out what he has. And through two weeks, Chase Brown has looked incredible. And I want to give a shout-out to, to our boy Kyle Kasky. Kyle Kasky in the preseason, I, I kept asking, because my take has always been about running backs. I truly believe that if you draft a running back in the third, fourth round every three years, you'll be fine. Your run game will be will be more than fine. Yeah. As long as it's built, like as long as you got good offensive linemen and everything like that. And we, we get Chase Brown in the fourth round. And I'm sitting here like, this guy's got to be good. This guy's got to be good. And from what I heard around Bengals fandom was they weren't impressed with Chase Brown. But Coach Kasky was. Kyle Kasky was in the preseason games on Kasky's Clicker was saying, listen, this guy can play a little bit. This guy can play a little bit. Everyone else was saying, I don't know. This guy doesn't look any good. This guy can play a little bit. And we've seen him now. Two games, get some get some carries, be a part of the game plan, and he's look great. He's well, fast. He's, you, a, he's a change of pace. No, well, no, and and and, uh, and Charlie Goldsmith a minute ago brought up a great point because you know you wondered how he would fit into this offense. You know, that's a pass first offense, right? I mean, that's generally what it is. He was playing for Brett Bielema in Illinois, where that's the last thing in the world they want to do is throw the football. So he got like. I don't even remember what it was, the number of carries he had last year. He was one of the top three or four guys in the country as far as most, most rushing attempts last year because that's what Illinois does. And he's not a big guy. But obviously, man, he is faster than lightning. And uh, well, big things in store for him. And, and, you know, you have to, again, we're never going to know. So, you know, we're never going to know what the deal was with Brown. Maybe at the end of the year, Duke Tobin will lay it out for us about why we didn't see Chase Brown before he got hurt, injured, where he couldn't play for a month, and what was leading up to all of that. But it's also the same group of people that didn't play Tanner Hudson. And, and watch your guy, Irv Smith Jr. You know, no, it's your guy, true. Irv Smith Jr., who doesn't even play anymore. We got three tight ends playing right now, and none of them are Irv Smith Jr., Think about even the thing that putting sample, putting sample now in the backfield all the time. True sample. I mean, Wilcox. Wilcox. And, and Wilcox. I, kind of, I mean, they, they, it's, it's just so impressive the changes they have made philosophically since Browning has taken over. 
I mean, how many times did Burrow have to get hit before somebody said, hey, you know, maybe we ought to get out a shotgun and, uh, and leave in a, a, an, an extra blocker? These are all legitimate questions. We're all on the bandwagon right now. They're rolling, man. They look great. All right, I'm going to ask you the question, okay? I'm not going to ask, are we better today than we were last year? Oh, God. <laughs> it's a good question. We Speaking of, by the way, well, my son is allegedly in finals week at Indiana, and he's in this chat. Getting your money's worth. Can anybody? Money. No kidding. <laughs> he's studying. You know how much it's costing me right now for him to be sitting on that chat? Well, room, I mean, board, couple hundred meal dollars plan. A couple hundred dollars a class. Couple hundred. Couple hundred. It's a couple thousand. Well, for every, every every single, single time class. you walk into that oh, room, oh, I got it's you. I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know what's going on there at Indiana. I don't know what they're teaching these kids. Luke says he just woke up. They're not teaching him how to play basketball, that's for sure. He said he just woke up. Yeah, 11, 1150. Oh. <laughs> We've been really positive on the show, so I have to bring up two two things that. Uh, that oh, we're that, going that, south that, now? Yeah, let's go, <laughs> let's go south for a half a second. Um, Trey Hendrickson got bailed out by the fact that the Bengals came out in the second half and played great football. Like that was an, that was a really really bad penalty. And Trey Hendrickson's a great player, but I would be remiss not to say that that was uh, in a like that a bad, flipped the game. Thing. That flipped the game for a second. And thankfully the Bengals came out in the second half and played well. And the other thing is I'm not sold on the secondary that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Tom, I'm not. Like they when when they're not playing Gardner Minshew. Um, and I know people are going to say, well, the Colts have scored, Colts have scored. Yeah, I mean, they're... That's fine. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying I'm with these, guys are, these guys are just marching down the field uh, to end that half, and you're just wondering to yourself, like, uh, and they went on, what, an eight-and-a-half-minute drive right before the half, too, and then they got the pick six. So I'm not sold on this defense by okay. any means. Yeah, oh. when defense Trey, looks atrocious. Yeah, when Trey isn't just dominating. He just gave seven points yesterday, guys. Come on. Yeah, here we go with some, Reed's Can we get bowl. some credit? Yeah. I, yeah, mean, like, I was going to say, Trey – if Trey's not dominating the game, right, then then we have problems, right? But they gave up seven points because Trey dominated, and he's he Fair. he's an all star. He's an all pro guy. So like I, also, I get this, your points, but at the same time, this secondary did lose its best. Yeah, I lost Cam best, Taylor Britt. Yeah, the Cam Taylor Britt, who's their their best coverage guy. But like, listen, listen here. They're, this defense has gotten had plenty. Plenty of stuff to talk about over the past four weeks, over the, you know, pretty much this entire season. They're at the bottom of every statistical category for a reason. But I'm not going to sit here on a Monday when they gave up yeah. seven points in, in the entire game, gave up like 270 yards. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and start questioning them. This is a chance to praise them. And if we've been really hard on the linebackers over the past few weeks, then let's praise them right here. Because I thought Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson played very, very well yesterday. They've yeah, been they should, very good on third down the last couple weeks. Been That's been a very, big very difference on and, turnaround for this team. And the Bengals shut down Zach Moss. That was obviously a big key. They, the Bengals get torched yep. on the ground. They stopped him there. But Trace is right. I mean, it's it, it, imagine Tyreek Hill going up against the secondary. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a record-setting day. <laughs> if 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 Tyreek, he's Hill, not wrong. I it, he, I mean, they tor- they get torched. They get torched. Is Cam Taylor Britt out for a year, Casey? No, I don't think no, so. No, he's he's due to come back soon. Good. Like allegedly, it, it seems like the Bengals' defense gives up so many chunk plays that it's that it's sickening. And I get it. You only hold them to seven points and argue. It but the been- last two weeks they have not. 
The last two weeks, they have not. That, and, and all you can go by is, what have you done for me? I'm, I'm in agreement with, with, with Trace about Minshew. And that, after watching that offense yesterday, I mean, I'm like, come on. And we talked about early in the year who they've, played, they've beaten during this win streak. I mean, the New Englands and the Carolinas of the world, okay? But um, it's, what have you done for me lately? That's the bottom line. These last two weeks, just like the offense has stepped up, and the coaching staff has stepped up. The defense has stepped up. They have stepped up. Hendrickson was an animal out there yesterday. He was an animal. What about that play by B.J. Hill? Yeah, I mean, that interception, everything. I mean, they, they have played the last two weeks. They weren't spectacular against Jacksonville. Yeah, what did they do against but, Jacksonville? But they were good enough when it mattered. They were good enough when it mattered against a guy who a lot of people think is an elite quarterback. They were good enough when it mattered. And yesterday, I mean, what, 30 yards rushing for Moss? Yeah, they, they've shut down the run. That's the biggest difference. I mean, difference. you know, they're, they're playing. They're, and, and, and so they're, the last two weeks, they've been better. You can beat them down for a lot of other games this year, but this, not the last two. Right, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at their, their stats right here. I think the, the Colts had, I'm counting up, eight possessions, nine possessions, and six of the nine possessions they were held to under 15 yards in that possession. So, I mean, that's – like I said, I mean, how many you, penalties did the Colts have that got them behind lot, the sticks? Like, lot. let's they had you got, if if we want to actually be somewhat realistic lot, here, no the Colts were abysmal. They 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 fumbled. They they their their return man lets a ball Great hit play him by right DJ. off his helmet. They they get a ball inside the 15 yard line. They turn around. They get a pick six. So the defense doesn't even have to come back on the field again. Like the the. I'm not again. I'm not trying to downplay this defense's effort. It's a lot better, and they gave up seven points, and that's right. what everyone's going to talk about. I'm continuing to say that I watched two drives that made me scratch my head. One was at the end of the half where they literally just marched right down the field, and I get it. They had a that three was, and out, and that that's was, a big penalty. That a I get yeah, that. That's a huge and then the other one was they got a big. They 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 got a huge field goal to take to take the uh, lead against what was it the. Um, Jacksonville, and they let a guy that none of us have ever heard before march 80 yards right down the field and almost score a game-winning touchdown. Now they he didn't win, he didn't. Right. But it's almost like we're, we're 15 not. yards here, 20 yards here is a little bit of a concern. But there's no reason to be down. I'm not suggesting to right. be down about it. It's just still a concern. Like no one's I'm, saying I'm waiting this. for that to rear its ugly. Jacksonville head. was six of 15 on has. third down. Jacksonville had 70 yards rushing. One of the best rushing teams that they were held at 2.8 yards per carry they didn't even allow a total of they only allowed 376 yards of offense to jacksonville and it went into overtime yeah and it went in over yeah well yeah obviously to to trace's points about how he's saying it is a cause for concern like he's not he's not raising in alarm bells that we aren't haven't already you know rung off right We, we all know how bad this defense has played this season but i'm not gonna sit here on a Monday after they gave up seven points and, and, and start saying anything bad because when they play well, they deserve the credit for which they do. We all know this defense is going to be is, is going to be a major cause or a, a major hurdle to climb over for these past these last four games. If anything, I would say that they've looked more like their old selves, which wasn't anything like dominating, right? Wasn't like they were a top 10 defense. But they've looked like their old selves. They've looked like they've yes, come they to play when it matters most. And that's without Taylor Britt. Yeah. So, you know, he, he, they get him back. Hopefully he's healthy enough to come back. 
I think he can come back before Kansas City. I think, right? He was on IR. Yeah. That's I, a four-week stint, right? And he went out against the Jags? I thought he was out against Pittsburgh. He was too. out against okay. Pittsburgh. So, so he'll be back for the Chiefs. Okay, he would be back. The, and in theory, is he 100%? I don't know. Uh, before we wrap it up with um, – before we wrap it up here today, just quick thoughts. Um, um, you know what? Maybe we'll just do the crosstown shoot. I, I know it's old news and UC plays again tomorrow. But, but, but for UC – and look, I rooted for UC to win a game. Um, this, this is not good. It's not good. Because there have been in recent years, Xavier was a better team. They are not better this year. And, 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 you know, when you start living and dying by the three-point shot, and I hope that is not something that UC continues to do the rest of the year. And Xavier had some kids that played out of their mind, and good for them. They played great. They showed up. They were intense. Going back to that jump ball thing early in the game, they just had a look about them. And all UC is doing is coming down the floor. Why look inside? Why do that? Let's jack it up from three. Clank. Shack it up from three. That's that sound you hear when it just hits the back of the, the iron. Brick City. And it, by the way, they made five threes. Two of them came in absolute garbage time. Yeah, last 30 seconds. 10 seconds. They were putting up fadeaway bank threes. Didn't even count. It was a bad game. I watched that game in sadness and despair. There was a chance I thought the tide had actually shifted and UC was going to win that game. Right. Uh, UC started out so hot in the second half. So hot. And they always start so slow against Xavier in the first half. It's just, it just happens every year. It, it, it's, it's bad. It's not I, – I sat here and talked trash. I have to own it now. Xavier owns the University of Cincinnati when it comes to this rivalry. It's not close. Mm. Much like Michigan owns Ohio State in that mm. rivalry. It's, it, they're very similar. Xavier played good. And when it's at Centos, there's just no way to win. I give credit to the Xavier fans. Yep. They were loud. They were dominant. Yep. Uh, tough place to play. It, it, is, it was a tough place to play. UC needs to be better. Wes Miller, he's not on the hot seat. They're obviously, uh, we're going to see how they bounce back here. If, if he can be serviceable in the Big 12, that's all I ask. Just be serviceable in the Big 12. Win a couple games. I'll tell you one thing. Tell you one thing. And we said it on Friday. Jizzle James is the he next looked, great star. He's played. He played in this well. city. Only played eight minutes in the second half. Yeah. I mean, go I figure that. Right? He's clearly, if you watch the first half, he's the best player on the floor. He's the only reason they were in the game. For either team. Plays yeah. eight minutes in the Jizzle James. He was a little banged up, right? I think that was the, the This reason. cat's a player, man. He, he's good. Listen, I, I will say this about, about Xavier Musketeers is, you know, Sean Miller's been been asking them to, to compete, right? Don't fold. Yep. And they had every opportunity. They go up eight points into halftime. And what does UC come out and do? They roar right back. Yep. They take the lead. And Xavier yeah, they they right my, right. Right. He had him ready to play. I give right. it up to Miller. We kid around a lot about, you know, Miller and not being on the show. And, and while that's true, uh, he is still – it's also true he's a great coach. One of the great lines in the chat, Everett Henry, imagine losing to Miami in football and Xavier in basketball. Ooh, that's tough. Your two biggest rivals. All right, we have a cherry on top today, uh, Senior McAllister. Yes, we do. We do. What is it today? Well, I, I just wanted to make sure because it will probably never see this play ever again. I feel like it'd be a good cherry on top to make sure that everybody gets to see it one last time because, as we all know, just because it doesn't count, we'll never see it again. This was unbelievable. Watch it really is The wherewithal of this dude, I mean, you, you can't teach that. 
That was unbelievable. And by the way, the guy who just caught the touchdown, that's the guy who was all sides. <laughs> $25 to win 100 That cost you right there? Yeah. Cost him $25. Or the chance to win a hundo. Mm. Right? Yeah. That's the kind of play. I hey, you know, you know he's made that play before, and it almost bit him in the tail uh, against the Bengals in the uh, AFC Championship game. He is a guy that has said time and time again, uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, who does his own podcast that uh, we won't plug, but as everyone knows what it is, um, he said that he thinks the lateral, Tom, is the most underutilized uh, what did he call it? Advantage that the offense has in the game. And at I some agree, point, 100%. at some point, he thinks that people will stop being scared of turning the ball over and run plays just like that to where they actually plan to throw the ball all the way across the field when they when they run a pass. I could not agree with him more. I have, I have thought that myself for years and years. I did that uh, Oklahoma-Boise uh, State game uh, in the Fiesta Bowl, one of the most famous college football games ever played. Went on the fourth down. They do the hook and ladder play and blast it in. I, I have been convinced of that for years that there should be more plays designed. If you think a play, just think, put it this way. The only time you ever see that done is the last play of the game when you're expecting a miracle to happen, right? Yep. If it's good enough to run it when you think, man, this might have a chance to really fool everybody and score a touchdown. Rarely ever works. If it's good enough then, why isn't it good enough in the first quarter? I'm not saying one of these deals where you're lateral in four and five times and the ball dribbles out of bounds and the game is over. But a hook and ladder play with a guy that can run? Could you imagine Tanner Hudson ca catching some, you know, at the Hitch. numbers? Right. Catching a little, you know, a, a, a little eight-yard pass and all of a sudden here comes Chase Brown designed straight by you and you flip the ball to him and there he goes? That play could work. I think... Right, we should end that. We should incorporate incorporate that into the Bengals' offense, just like Here the double pass reverse. Well, it would have been better than that one. I can tell you that <laughs> it would have a better chance than that nonsense. All right, uh, that's it today. We have box lunch coming up, right? Yes, we Where do. You are the host today. I am the host today. We did. Did, did we mention Parker Blake's super chat? I don't think we got to Parker. Uh, Blake. He had a five dollar super chat and said Taylor Swift has requested a trade. Ooh. Mm. Top. How do you think she likes hanging around with uh, Mahomes? Probably hates it. Family. I don't know. I don't know anything about Taylor Swift. I might be right up her alley. Hmm. I be. don't think they like it. I don't, I don't think so. It's a damn shame she's gotten indoctrinated up in that press box, as we all know. Probably every single call is not the right call. Could you only imagine what they tell her? She's uh, watching football. It's like our schools these days. Like, they don't, you they don't. The indoctrination. No, let's not go. <laughs> right. Not a right. Box lunch. Box lunch. Here we go. Box lunch. Here we go. See you tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.